This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and supporting listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate, or visit Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd to become a supporter today. Ha-cha! Hi, this is Chris Bassetto, author of Kill the Minotaur, and you're listening to the Two-Headed Nerd Podcast with Joe and Matt. Broadcasting from the San Diego Convention Center in beautiful downtown San Diego, it's our pleasure to welcome you to episode 453 of the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Book Podcast. My name is Matt Baum. Why are you so excited? We're in San Diego, baby. We're at Comic-Con. Here we are. <laughs> I am Joe Patrick. Together we are the Two-Headed Nerd. That's true. Two old nerd buddies that saved a ton on our San Diego trip by flying out to Comic-Con the week after it was over and volunteering to clean up the convention floor. Joe, you gotta do what you gotta do, buddy. I got you here, didn't I? There's nobody here! In this episode, we'll review 12 of this week's new comics while we joust on mini Zambonis during the ludicrous speed round. Then, we'll visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where we'll pay homage to the woman that voiced Aunt May and talk about the comics we're excited to read next week. And finally, we'll open the phone line for our cover-to-cover segment! It's all happening next, but... Before we decline the offer to become this country's first two-headed attorney general, let's pull in our internet news nets and sort through the garbage aftermath of Comic-Con while we talk about this week's Nerd News! It's actually this last week's Nerd News. <laughs> so this happened before Comic-Con, but I think a, a big deal we need to talk about is Burger Books, Karen Burger's line at Dark Horse, they have finally announced what the books are going to be, the first batch of books coming in February 2018. Again, really missed the mark by not calling it B-U-R-G-E-R. Yeah, books. yeah, sad. Next time, call you us. You could put a big burger on the cover of each one. You yeah. Know. God, come yeah. on. The marketing just markets itself. Yeah, they fell down here. First up in January is Hungry Ghost, a four-issue anthology book created by celebrity chef Anthony Bourdain. That is based on an ancient Japanese tradition in which samurai would tell increasingly terrifying stories in order to scare each other. They're just like campfire ghost stories, yeah. like what Boy Scouts do. But in Hungry Ghosts, instead of samurai, the storytellers are chefs. Hungry Ghosts is co-written by Joel Rose and will feature art from uh, great cast of creators like Vanessa Del Rey, Leonardo Manco, Alberto Ponticelli, Paul Pope, and Mateus Santoloco. I love it. It's sort of like uh, Vertigo's old flinch title. Horror yeah, anthology. Yeah, if it was all of. food related. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. <laughs> After that, on February 6th, we're going to get Incognito, a five-issue prequel to the 2008 Vertigo original graphic novel, Incognito, colon, a graphic mystery, which will coincide with a re-re-re-release of the original story to celebrate its 10th anniversary. It's written by Matt Johnson with art by Warren Police, Incognito, Renaissance, focuses on reporter Zane Pinchback as he becomes embroiled in the nightlife name. of the Harlem Renaissance. Do people even remember Incognito? Uh, I remember it because the name was funny. Yes. Uh, so Incognito was about uh, this reporter, Zane Pinchback, who was a black man but with very fair skin. Yeah. So he could pass for white and he was able to do things that uh, his contemporaries couldn't uh, in a very like, time of turmoil, racial turmoil. Like the famous Eddie Murphy Saturday Night Live skit where he goes white for a day. 
like the black white supremacist from the Supreme <laughs> Show. Sort of. Blind. It didn't turn out well for him. No, it, it did not. <laughs> Uh, I see why you thought it said re 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 release because it it carried over the word for some reason. No, I just thought it'd be funny to say. No, it was funny. Times. Next up in late February, Matahari from writer Emma Beebe and artist Ariella Christentia. I think that's what we settled on. Christentia. Yeah, yeah. This is going to be a fictional approach to the story of Matahari, the famed sexy dancer spy who was executed in 1917. This is similar to the Betty Page comic I'm going to review later. Oh. Yeah. Well, is she a spy in Betty Page? Yeah. Comic? Okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, on March 28th, writer Ann Nascenti and artist David Aja will present <laughs> The Seeds, a dystopian look at a future America where mutated plants and animals start to appear, leading a journalist to uncover a massive story she cannot publicly report for as yet undisclosed reasons. Like, was she too close to it? Yeah, I guess. It's like one of those plants is their dad. You know? right. <laughs> like, oh, man, that's a conflict of interest. Uh, so, I mean, I think the biggest, I think the book here that's got people the most excited is the, is the David Aja book. Just because it's David Aja and he doesn't draw a lot of stuff That's these true. days. But Anacenti. Well, look, we were not crazy about Anacenti's work at DC during the New 52. New 52. Yeah. And that's fine. I loved her in the past. I haven't read much from her since then. Maybe give her some room to freak out. Andy stuff. Yeah. In Who her knows? own sandbox. Who I'm definitely knows? willing to give it a try, and the art's going to be great. So. In addition to the uh, monthly titles, the imprint will also publish a new expanded edition of the long out-of-print graphic novel series The Originals by Dave Givens, which I remember coming out, but I never read. Yeah, I didn't read it either, and I don't e I don't remember what it's about or anything. British so. superheroes? Cool news story, guys. Way to, way to look into this one. <laughs> well, I think they kind of imply that we're supposed to know what these things are. Well, I'm going to talk about writers definitely about this. heard I mean, of them. Seriously, come on. Look, this is a cut and paste job, man. I don't know what you want from me. So Burger Books, I think, I mean, this sounds like Vertigo, Vertigo stuff. Yeah, absolutely. No and doubt. I, like, that's not a complaint. Karen no. Berger should have never been fired from DC or whatever. I don't even remember what happened at this point. Or maybe they, they mutually decided they should part ways yeah, or whatever. Yeah, something like that. Corporate we were, we BS reported was, on it. Yeah, I know, but it was forever ago. And at the time, Vertigo's numbers had steadily declined. And right. It, it was a time of like huge executive upheaval at DC and a lot of DC editors ha have come and gone since then. Yeah. Uh, Shelly Bond, another, the person that took over for Karen Berger, it's also out and she's got a, her own line of books at IDW. Yeah. Uh, and so I love, you know, classic Vertigo stuff. And if Karen Berger can like recapture the feeling of classic Vertigo. Great. Sucks to be DC because yeah. it's had Dark Horse. We'll see if it can work again. You know, it was kind of a, maybe it was sort of a late 90s animal. We'll see. I don't know. I hope it's Well, great. I mean, it depends on the the style of the books, yes. You know, but like, I, I love that she's kind of, these kind of unexpected pairings, like superstar artist and a, sure. and a writer that you wouldn't expect, you know, Anthony Bourdain coming to write a regular comic. Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting, fun stuff. Moving on to Marvel, for those of you who aren't thrilled about the direction of the X-Men, good news. Ed Piskor, writer of the Hip Hop Family Tree, is working on a six-part series encapsulating, I mean, it's just the first 300 issues, so don't get too excited, of the uncanny <laughs> X-Men. Piskor said on Facebook, 
a trilogy, two issues, and a trade every year. So maybe extra length, almost OGN length chapters, question mark? That's my speculation. Okay. So I'm guessing it's going to be like the hip-hop family tree. Right. And they and I saw, uh, since, since we put these stories together, I saw a, a schedule, and it's something to the effect of like January, issue one, March, or issue two, right, and then a couple of months later, trade of one and two, yeah. Or so it's spaced apart, probably extra length. I think they might even be oversized. They might actually be like hip hop family tree. I hope so. Graphic novels. Pisker is an old school Marvel nerd, loves the X Men, and this is just the coolest and idea. <laughs> if you follow him online on Facebook or wherever, he's been drawing the X Men characters like classic X Men stuff nonstop. Just and like nobody knew it was for any reason. Uh, and now it's like, boom, here it is. Ed right. Pisker's X-Men. What if Ed Pisker created the X-Men? <laughs> it's so cool. I'm very excited about it. A couple more Marvel stories in the comic realm. Mark Wade and Chris Somney are taking over Captain America. I love it. Following Secret Empire. I love it. With the renumbered Captain America 695. Just in time for some special anniversary issue. I'm not sure which one. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Math is hard. 702. Oh, uh, I think that's it. <laughs> At a panel, Wade said, this is Steve listening to people to find out how they feel about him and what they want from him from now on. Dot, dot, dot. Uh, editors. He's going to editors gonna brackets punch people, too. Because he woke up from being a secret Nazi. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, uh, editor Alana Smith said the series is going to feel like coming back home for a lot of people. Yeah, no shit. Mark Wade has written Captain America. This yeah. is his third chance. Yeah. To write Captain America. I have loved um, every Mark Wade run on Captain America. Yeah, of course. I plan on loving this one. And Chris Somney as well. Mark Wade is still my guy. I know that uh, he's up and down uh, for a lot of people these days, but I still love what Mark Wade does in general. I'm not really loving his current Marvel work, like the young kid stuff he's doing with Champions and Avengers. Yeah, it's fine. It's I don't think it's written for us. That's the thing. It's, but his Black Widow, his Daredevil. Excellent. Somebody I'm all was in for to this. Talk trash on his Daredevil the other day, and I wanted to fight him. Yeah, I wanted to push him down and stand over him and tell him they're wrong. Right. <laughs> One last Marvel story. They announced a little fun bit that uh, with Marvel Legacy, there's going to be a bunch of one shots. Returning canceled comic books from the grave for one last it's issue each. It's a canceled comic cavalcade. Is that sort of? Yeah. Like, right. uh, the comics include Shang Chi, Master of Kung Fu. 126. Yes. Silver, I love it. Silver Sable in the Wild Pack, number 36. So this is the issue after they got canceled? Basically? Yes, right. Exactly. Cool. Uh, not Brand Eck, number 14. Oh, that's going to For your Forbushman like uh, fix. Dazzler, number 43. Power Pack, number 63. Oh, boy. And Darkhawk, number 51. They're, the person who was writing Darkhawk, I can't remember who it was, but they had a poll on Twitter. And they were like, do you care about Darkhawk? <laughs> yes <laughs> or no? And no overwhelmingly what? <laughs> oh. um, I don't think at the time that I saw the panel, they hadn't released any creative information, but I think it's fun. DC, DC did something very similar yeah. with Blackest Night where their uh, long canceled comics rose from the grave zombie style, like Starman and uh, Catwoman. Right. Uh, Adam and Hawkman, which is a book that stopped publishing and in this the was, 60s. It was like a fifth week event, right? No, it was, it was they were tie-ins to, to Blackest Night. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Um, this sounds just, like a fifth week event, though. I think you're... I hope it is. You're thinking of it in old terms that I don't think apply anymore. There's I, no such thing as a fifth week really I anymore. want them to do this as a fifth week event. That's That'd not really how that... They do things anymore, Matt. <laughs> uh, 
But yeah, I just think it's super fun. Like yeah. a one-shot Dazzler comic. I will buy that Dazzler comic. Shang-Chi. Yeah, hell yeah. I yes. will buy that Shang-Chi comic. Moving over to DC. During a Q&A, a fan asked about a Marvel Unlimited-style subscription service for DC's back catalog, and co-publisher Jim Lee told him to sit down, shut up, and never talk about it again. No, I'm kidding. He said, we're not ready to pull the trigger But they've yet. discussed it. Yeah, and I don't get it. What's the problem? What is the problem? I mean, the Marvel one is a success. It works. Yeah, and Marvel's that, making and money that on program it. is buggy as hell. Yeah. Like, it is a bad program. Yeah, it's a bad app. But it's a great service. And a great idea. Yes. Yeah. DC, please, just come on. Yes. Pull the damn trigger. Uh, very briefly, they also confirmed what everybody has known all along. Dr. Manhattan is the villain of DC Rebirth. No They just came shit. right out and said it. They did, but they also, I don't know. No, it, no, they came out and were, yeah, they were like, yep, Dr. Manhattan. Yeah, I mean, but is he going to actually be the bad guy, or is he doing something, and once again, Ozymandias is trying to make him look like the bad oh, guy? Oh, I don't know. Oh, I mean, they said, they, con they confirmed that Dr. Manhattan's the one that fucked up at the time. We know that. Yeah. Yeah, but we don't know if he's actually evil or not. Right. Uh, a spot of great news. We know he's got a huge tool. Yeah, big blue, that. big blue dingus. <laughs> A really great spot of news. Jeff Lemire is returning to DC after a two-year exclusive at Marvel for several new projects. He's doing the previously announced Hawkman Found one-shot, which is a tie-in to the metal event. Right. This will be drawn by Brian Hitch and Kevin Nolan. Whew. Read that one. Yeah. Uh, the one-shot, which I just said is part of Dark Knight's metal, is specifically framed as a sequel to Batman Lost, which comes out earlier uh, in the event. You were freaking out about this on Twitter because Jeff Lemire just kept throwing up pictures of characters. It was. And you were like, yes. use your word. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so on Twitter, <laughs> the day before the panel or the or hours before the panel, Jeff Lemire just kept putting up pictures of old characters like Metamorpho. Yeah. Hawkman. <laughs> yeah. With nothing. No. No just words. A, just a picture. And that all led to the next great announcement. Lemire is writing a new superhero family title, families in quotes, called The Terrifics with artists Ivan Rice and Doc Shaner. Wow. I think they might be alternating Love arcs. Both. Uh, this will spin out of the Dark Matter line that we talked about uh, right. a while back that's kind of spinning out of metal. And it's a team book consisting of Mr. Terrific, Metamorpho, Phantom Girl, Phantom Girl from the Legion of Superheroes. I don't, okay. <laughs> and Plastic Man. Wow. Yeah, and yes, and so the news, uh, the people writing the news story were like, yep, that's right, a scientist, a stretching man, a brute with physical disfiguration, and a woman that can become intangible. Remind you of anything? <laughs> and no, no. DC. Oh, it's their new power pack. <laughs> Jeff Lemire stood up at Comic-Con, looked straight into the camera, and Stuck his middle finger up and said, fuck you, Marvel. <laughs> I am all in for this book. Yeah, it sounds cool. amazing. That's cool as hell. Uh, if you look at the promo art for the Trifics, they seem, other than Metamorpho, who just looks like Metamorpho. Right. They're all in matching color scheme outfits, which means Plastic Man is wearing like black and white instead of red and yellow. And I don't know why. But I'm very interested in finding out why they're in matching uniforms instead of just wearing their own costumes. Okay. Yeah. DC also announced their Dark Matter titles will look a little different on store shelves from other big two titles out there for one big reason. 
no variance, and boom, they're drawing the line at two ninety nine, baby. The line, which is scheduled to launch in December with Immortal Men and Silencer, will spin out of Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo's upcoming Dark Knights Metal event. DC co-publisher Jim Lee, who is drawing Immortal Men, sigh, admits as an artist he likes variant Jim, covers. Jim Lee, who is drawing oh, no shit. Jim the Lee. first three issues of the, of the <laughs> Immortal Men, probably. Jim, Jim Lee likes variant covers. Who would have guessed? Yeah, imagine. That, this is great. This is great. And Jeff Johns came out and applauded DC for standing behind it and saying, look, we believe in it and we're going to do it for a reduced price because we want it to sell. No bullshit, just comics. I love it. I do too. As part of this Dark Matter business, we had already talked about the the initial lineup a, a couple months ago. Uh, the Immortal Men, The Silencer. Right. Um, the, the New Challengers, which is a Challengers of the, of the Unknown reboot. Which with is Andy other Cooper fantastic for homage. Um <laughs> They're adding to the line. The Trifix is one book. And in addition in addition to that is another new title by Justin Jordan and Philip Tan. Sigh. Called I, I like Philip Tan. You Brimstone. Like Philip Tan? I'm up and down on Philip Tan. It depends on the book. Okay. I like Philip Tan. Uh, this book is called Brimstone. It's got a big monster guy. Uh, there is already a DC character called Brimstone. He's uh, like a, an apocalyptic um, super weapon. He's that big giant. Colossal guy that's on fire. He's orange. He's a Superman villain? No. Um, I mean, he's fought everybody. He's um, He wears wrestling trunks, a uh, wrestling singlet, and he's got an orange triangle pointy head, and he's on fire. Oh, okay. Yeah. He looks sort of like Bane, but he's on fire. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, all right. And he's like 60 feet tall. Finally, from DC, Duke Thomas, a longtime sidekick of Batman, is getting his own series, which is good because we're... Almost out of Bat series here. Man. And his own code name with Batman, The Signal. Co-creator Scott Snyder will write the title with Tony Patrick, an alum of Snyder's DC Writers Workshop, as The Signal. No relation. Duke will differentiate himself from Batman as being Gotham's hero by day, according to Snyder. I kind of like that. I don't like the name. I think the name is The dumb. Signal. The Signal. Yeah, I like The Signal because at first there was a big rumor going around when Duke Thomas first started hanging out with Batman that they were going to call him Lark. Lark? Like, that's lame. Yeah, that sounds dumb. Because he wears yellow. I don't know. Stupid. Regardless, I like Duke as a character. It seems like they like Duke as a character a lot too, but they didn't know what to do with him. I think, well, I think Snyder knew what he was doing with him and yeah. then nobody else knew what was going on. Yeah. Uh, I... I am frustrated with Duke Thomas as a character because of that, because it's been years at this point. Right. And it's just like, here's this guy that's hanging around, but he's not Robin. Right. And uh, the, the Harper Row was the same thing. They need to work on his costume. I don't love his costume. I don't either. And I don't know if he'll stick with that when he gets his own identity. Yeah. He looks like a NASCAR racer. But if you've, if you've read, <laughs> kind of, yeah. If you've read the, uh, the two metal prequels that I reviewed on the show. Yeah, they're great. Uh, Duke is heavy in that and mm -hmm. big revelations in the last one about his role and his history and yeah. his parents. And it's all kind of coming together. And now I'm kind of interested where before I was just like, okay, Duke. Yeah. DC comics, young animal characters are going to be crossing over into the mainstream DCU in a four part crossover leading to a new status quo, quote unquote. What, what does this mean? Does this mean young animal does not take place in the DCU? It doesn't take place in the DCU. In I fact, it did. It doesn't. Oh. Well, Mother Panic. Yeah, Mother Panic has Batman does. in it. Yeah. Uh, I think maybe they take place in a version of the DCU. Okay, because like Cave Carson addressed other heroes and stuff. Superman too. showed up. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, what they announced also at this panel, just kind of matter of factly, is that young animal is now operating under the Vertigo banner. Oh, really? Yeah. Yep. 
So, I mean, I still think they say young animal, but like there, it's the Vertigo office is in charge of it. Okay. So we're having a four part crossover leading into the new status quo starting in January. Young animal curator Gerard Way had a writer's retreat at his house to plan the crossover, which is going to be four one shots starting with Doom Patrol Justice League, co written by Gerard Way and Steve Orlando with art by Akko. I forgot about Akko. <laughs> and then the cover, I don't know if you saw this cover. It's a Frank Quietly drawing of a character named Milkman. Or, oh, wait, this says Milkman, man. Yeah. So it might be Milkman, man. <laughs> uh, but he looks like Superman. It looks like All-Star Superman dressed like a Milkman with a cape. Yeah. It was great. It's great. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> so Cave Carson, Shade the Changing Girl, and Mother Panic are going to go on hiatus from October through January for this crossover to occur. Okay. I think they're doing uh, what do you this, think about this? I think they're doing this to try and inflate sales. It's not because the stories are bad. You know what I mean? Sales have not been great on Young Animal. And I think it's because people don't, like, I just admitted, I don't really know what Young Animal is. It is it DC? Is it not DC? Yeah, I don't really get it. Like, 50% of the books reference DC characters. And I don't know and if 50% it, don't. Right. I don't know yeah. if attaching Vertigo to the title is going to help it sell better or not. But I also don't want it to go away. So if just bring, I don't see why you don't just bring it into the DCU. Why not? Well, and, and see, I'm kind of wacky corner. I'm kind of the opposite way. Like, I don't need it to fit into the DCU, right? I don't care if they reference DC characters. I mean, like, I would argue it already does. It, like, it, I did not. I was not aware that this was not supposed to be in the mainstream DCU. Yes, but none of the other books have referenced it. Mother Panic has never showed up in anything else. Like, these are all self-contained. Titles, I get right? it, but it happens. Mother like, Panic takes place in Gotham. I get it. I so just like, didn't. I was not aware that they weren't already there. Sure, I'm saying. I'm saying like I don't care if they reference it, and but I don't need them to fit. So fair it makes enough. sense for it to be separate. That's fair. Uh, but what do you think about the crossover? I think it's a great creative team. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is obviously, like I said, this is them trying to get this in front of other people, like people who are reading Justice League to check out, you know, Doom Patrol and stuff like that. I don't know. We'll see if it works. Doom Patrol is a weird fucking book, and it is definitely not for mainstream superhero readers. It's right. challenging. No, yeah, I get I it. I mean, definitely. So I hope it works because I don't want Young Animal to go away. With that said, I think Doom Patrol has become my least favorite of the Young Animal books. Mm, Shade the Changing Girl, man. I couldn't even get past Shade the Changing issue. Girl, man. <laughs> uh, Shade the Changing Girl, comma, man. <laughs> Yeah, I no, I mean, I just stopped reading that one too. Yeah, because it was a little just too weird. So this is my hope. Uh, I like, and I'm sure that you're right that it's a sales boost. Yeah, but I hope that the creative teams don't give a shit, and that these are like the weirdest takes on mainstream DC characters. I think they've already proven stuff like that with like those Batman Warner Brothers crossovers they did. Yes, where please DC give me exactly like, right. It's yeah, like, exactly. screw it, man. Let's get weird. You know, and people are either going to love it or they're going to hate it. Right. And you will have, you know, 50% will be five star reviews and 50% will be one star reviews. Yes. But that's still great for press and people pick it up to go, what the fuck? Absolutely. You know? uh, last quick bit of news here before we move on. Movie stuff. So there was a lot of movies. And a lot of TV news. Joe Patrick, let's start with movies. What's your favorite movie tidbit that came out of San Diego? Uh, my favorite movie the tidbit. The Spawn reboot, right? Yes. Oh, man. Uh, it's so, about time. 
the studio the the studio that put Fuck out you, Todd uh, McFarlane. Fuck you. <laughs> all right. Uh, Bloom Bloomhouse Studios that put out the Belco Experiment and uh, the Purge movies has hired signed, signed Todd McFarlane to a deal to write and direct a Spawn. Reboot. We don't even need to talk about this. I don't part. care. <laughs> um, I asked for your favorite. <laughs> yes. Um, so a lot of things happened, man. Yeah. They showed a new trailer for the defenders, which was good. It looked, yeah, it looks good. Uh, the new trailer for the gifted, which makes me very interested in that show. New trailer for the inhumans with more special effects. Still don't care. Eh. They showed a new justice league trailer. Yep. It was like four and a half minutes long. Yep. I felt stuff. You did? Yeah. I didn't. I did. I still didn't. I still didn't. I don't know. I felt I felt stuff. I, and I don't know if it's a trick. I like it, it's probably a trick. It's a trick. But here's where my here's where I'm at. Wonder Woman came out sure. and blew everybody's doors off. Right. DC has seen that. The the higher ups have made comments to that effect. They're like, We've learned, we've learned, we're lightening things up. Yeah. We we hear you. Yes. DC fired Ryan's Priebus. They got rid of Sean <laughs> Spicer. Yes, yeah, exactly. They're bringing in all new people. Right. Yeah. And I know that these movies were already really far along and Zack Snyder's got a heavy hand in all of them. Oh, yeah. But what if... Oh, listen to you. No, I'm saying, like... This is so sad. They put out a movie poster. No, you're right. They probably won't hit you again. I doubt they will. Look. <laughs> you know like, what? Go back to him, Joe. Go I'm ahead. saying, like, a, a, six months ago, the marketing push was way different. I get it. It was all, like, monochrome, dark, grimacing. And then they put out this poster that it was... The most colorful thing I've ever seen. Yeah, but a poster is easy to pull off. Yes, I know. But How the fact gonna... that they put that out in the world is like, here, this is what we're representing. They have so much of this movie already done and invested. I don't trust this at all. I don't trust it. It's in reshoots right now. Oh, like, Great. I don't trust them. Not with this crap. And, and I've said this go over and over look, again. I'm not. The one problem I have with Wonder Woman, the one problem that I have with that movie is it takes place in the Warner Brothers cinematic universe. Sure. <laughs> like that um, is my problem. I, I, I'm not saying that I'm trusting them. I'm saying that they put out that trailer and it got to me. Fine. That was your favorite? Uh, the coolest thing I saw. And what else happened? I saw a side-by-side of the Justice League footage being showed to a crowd and the crowd being like, yeah, all right, cool. Oh, hey, the, that looks pretty good. The Black Panther and footage. And then the Black Panther yeah, footage. standing ovation. And when they showed to that, the crowd threw chairs. The people <laughs> in the movie, the actors in the movie were giving each other high fives and hugging each other. I heard, I had heard that even- it was even, just a scene. It was I, just a scene. That the people that were in the movie had not seen no, that they had, footage. They said, they told them, we're going to show it to you for the first time. And it and blew like, them away. The They're in the goddamn movie. Yeah. They lost their minds. They yeah. were hugging each other and giving high fives, and the crowd was screaming. Look, man, I'm into it. I'm excited. Like, I'm already in the tank for Black Panther. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying that was the best moment that I saw for me. Sure. The new Thor trailer. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, oh my yes. God. I forgot. Thank you. That, this, that happened... That happened after I wrote the, all this new stuff. This looked like it was... My favorite thing from Comic-Con is absolutely the new Thor It trailer. went from looking like the best Marvel movie they've done yet to looking like even better than the best Marvel movie they've yes, done yet. Yes, yes, <laughs> right. I am ready for Thor Ragnarok to be the yeah. best comic book it's movie a Thor ever Hulk made. buddy pick. <laughs> Not counting Superman the movie. R.I.P. Christopher Reeve. I crossed myself. <laughs> I did a little um, pentagram on myself. Yeah. Uh, the other, the very last thing we're going to mention, because we have to move on... Uh, Bizarre bit of news. Fox is clinging with a death grip to the FF license. Stop it. Because they announced a film, a Doctor Doom film in Ugh. development Ugh. with 
Noah Hawley yeah. from Fargo and Legion attached probably to direct. I, I don't care. I don't want them to have it. And until we get Marvel... Marvel's hands back on Fantastic Four. We're not going to have Fantastic Four comic book either. I know, I know, I know. And but you bet you wanted it so bad in that Generations announcement. You're like, it's the FF. I'm telling you, it's the FF. And I'm like, no, it's not. No, it isn't. I'm saying the thing that I'm saying the long lost thing that Marvel teased has not been announced yet. I so get it. You just hold on to your I butts. I still don't think it's Fantastic Four. <laughs> That is the big news for this week. If you think you left some of your personal items at the convention hall, you can contact Joe and I at 402-819-4894 to talk about any of this week's big news. Or you can hit the forums and ask us if we found, you know, your Mjolnir, your uh, Crown of Thundera, you know, like any of your cosplay stuff that slipped off. Like, anyway, I get it. We will have it here in the Zamboni somewhere. So just contact us. We'll get it to you. Your daddy's little monster banana hammock. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> Gross. Every week, my favorite banana hammock, Joe Patrick, posts the question of the week in the two-headed nerd forums. And then later on, you call and answer it. But uh, you'll hear more about that later. Joe, what's the question this week? This week's question comes from Joe Bankus. Pinkus. Pinkus. AKA casual comics guy on the forums. Joe writes, okay guys, I've been feeling too much love in the recent episodes. I've been complaining about this for years. How about we go down a darker path? I love it. What's the absolute worst costume you've seen on a comic book character? Whether it's just a terrible design, an outdated concept, or just an outfit that is plain stupid. I already don't mind. Who do you think has had the worst costume or outfit? There's plenty to pick from, too. In comics. You can call our Ziggurat hotline at 402-819-4894, and you can leave us a message. Or you can call us next Saturday at 11 o'clock Central Standard Time until 1230 Central Standard Time and talk to us live about your feelings. If you are unable to do so, you can also send us an email with your MP3 answer to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. Please keep that MP3 to two minutes or under. You will get cut off. If you need more than two minutes, head over to the THN web forums. Join the other poorly dressed listeners. In the delightfully respectful conversation. Yes. No one's going to make fun of your costume. We're just going to creatively No matter it. how awful it is. Yeah. As you heard earlier, Joe and I have been sorting through the discarded flyers and utilicilts left behind in the aftermath of San Diego Comic-Con to bring you the real news that came out of SDCC. But we're not sweeping up trash like a couple of damn Beauregards. No, sir. We're more like a couple of Toxic Avengers mounted on dual mini Zambonis speeding through the con floor while reviewing 12 more of this week's comics in the Ludicrous Speed Round. Ludicrous Speed, go! Moonstruck, number one from Image, it's 32 pages for $3.99. All right, now I did not know anything about this comic going into it, so bear with me. Other than the fact that it was written by Lumberjane's co-creator Grace Ellis, I didn't even really look at the cover, which I know is not a great move for a reviewer. I just kind of turned it on. And you made it sound like it's going to be porn. No, I'm just, <laughs> I, I just want to illustrate the fact that when I started reading the book, I did not know anything about it. Okay. So when I got a few pages in and Chet the barista 
caught the falling coffee cup in his centaur arms. Ooh. I was totally caught off guard. Okay. That's when I realized that Moonstruck is a slice of life tale set in a town entirely populated by mystical fantasy creatures. So like vampires. Gotcha. And fairies. Yeah. And werewolves and Medusas. Right. Climate changes. Yeah. Yeah, flat earthers. (laughs) Julie, Chet's best friend and co-worker, is trying to make it through life while getting to know the girl that she's crushing on, dealing with her neighbors who are a gorgon and a vampire, while they argue about their crappy band, and keeping her unpredictable werewolf transformations under control. The art by newcomer Shay Beagle is absolutely beautiful. And Kate Leth is on hand to illustrate excerpts from the Sweet Valley High style young adult novels that Julie is obsessed with. Oh my. It's super fun. (laughs) Moonstruck is really charming from concept to execution. It's a huge buy it. I was very pleasantly surprised. Right on. Sisters of Sorrow, number one from Dynamite. Dynamite. Dynamite! 32 pages for $3.99. I'm doing some books from last week because we didn't get to talk about them. Yeah, I did. And they're important. Sons of Anarchy creator Kurt Sutter is joined by writer Courtney Almeida for the story of a group of abused women dressed as nuns, carrying guns, and doling out vigilante justice to abusers on the streets of L.A. The first issue sets up the story perfectly, with the group coming together for their first mission in what feels like a perfect script for Sutter's next TV show. And I was going to say watch for that announcement during Comic-Con. We didn't get it. The art by Hyunjin Kim, sorry about that, was sharp and gave the story the real-world television ep feel it needed with dark, moody colors by Jean-Paul Suka. Suka. I'm sorry again. Sisters of Sorrow is the beginning of another mean and nasty, violent epic by Suter, and I am giving it a huge buy it. This one really surprised me. It was great. Astonishing X-Men, number one from Marvel. It's 40 pages. It's $4.99. I feel like I have talked about this comic for the last three weeks, and this is the first time that I'm actually getting around to reviewing it. An ancient evil is attacking the world's most powerful minds. It will have them by the time you finish this sentence. Wait, so it's got them? It's got them. Shit. And a moment later, it will have us all. Wait, so it just got us? It's got you. Damn it. A band of X-Men discovers the truth behind the threat, but there's no time left. Psylocke, Old Man Logan, Bishop, Archangel, Phantom X, Rogue, and Gambit will attempt to save a world that hates and fears them. Why? Because they are the X-Men! Jesus. (laughs) This is the X-Men book I've been waiting for ever since the mediocre Resurrection line was announced. Brought to us by Charles Soule and Jim Chung. There's something about this band of characters that really works. It was just fun reading their interactions with one another. They all have a history with each other, and it isn't all pretty. Right. Unlike the work by Jim Chung, of course, which is some of the prettiest comic art I saw all week. I I, I don't care. I love Phantom X. I think Phantom X is oh, wonderful. I love that character. And you can fight me about it, but I also love Gambit. I think it's Phantom Max. Phantom. No, he's French. Phantom Max. No, yeah. he's French. Pretty sure. Okay. There's a great final page twist that has me hooked for the next issue. I just wish Chung was drawing the whole thing instead of having a different artist on every issue. Like, am I going to care enough? Am I going to care enough about this book when, like, Greg Lane draws number two or whatever, for example? Sure. Uh, That's next month's problem, though. I'm giving Astonishing X-Men number one a buy it. Super Sons, number six from DC, 
32 pages for $3.99. I lost track of this title in the sea of other Bat and Superbooks coming out of DC's Rebirth, so it was time to check back in with the first part of the Planet of the Capes story. Superboy is still finding his way in the world with Batman's son Damien as his self-appointed mentor. The two are practicing patrolling when the Silver Age villain, the Time Commander, comes looking for Robin yeah, you know, and the I'm Teen Commander. Titans. Pete Tomasi is just writing the hell out of this book, and it could otherwise easily annoy the hell out of me. He balances the action and humor perfectly without turning it into an issue of Tiny Titans with the help of artist Jorge Jimenez. The art in this issue is close to perfect with masterful paneling and perspective in true DC superhero fashion. If you're looking to draw capes in action comics, you should be studying Jimenez's work every month. I love Super Sons number six. Buy it. Jorge Jimenez is great. Uh, they just released. So good. They just released a cover that he did for Superman for an upcoming issue, and it's just uh, a crowd of people in Metropolis or wherever staring up into the sky like look up in the sky and like the old yeah, thing. yeah. and they're like waving and pointing and there's like a little girl with pigtails and a Superman cape on and the only thing Superman about it is that his shadow is on the ground oh, cool. like and and he's like waving at cool. them it, it, like chills <laughs> it's so great Heavenly Blue is number one from Scout 32 pages 399 Isaiah Jefferson fancied himself a dashing rogue, the greatest thief of the Depression, but a cruel betrayal left him dead in the dirt. I always just left his dick in the dirt. <laughs> his dick in the dirt. Aaron Foley was a scared grifter desperate not to be another child fed to the violent maw of the Salem witch trials. When a wayward angel gives them the chance to leave hell and spit in the face of judgment, can they face their demons and become the master thieves they were meant to be? This was a very pleasant surprise from writer Ben Kahn and artist Bruno Hidalgo, two creators I had never heard of before. I love their take on the afterlife, where hell is a place you go if you think you deserve it. And torture isn't about punishment, it's hazing that comes at the hands of your fellow lost souls. Isaiah and Aaron are full of personality thanks to Kahn's dialogue, and I loved the Jeff Lemire meets Kevin O'Neill kind of art style yeah. of Hidalgo. It's really lovely. And I think this may have been my first Scout comic. And if this is any indication of their overall quality, I'm definitely interested in checking out more. I'm giving Heavenly Blues, number one, a buy it. My voice is going out. Yeah. Faith and the Future Force, number one from Valiant. It's 32 pages for $3.99. Faith has been laying low since being accused of murder in her last series. Here, she's approached by a strange time traveler that enlists her to travel to the past to defeat a robot that's messing with history. A mission that gets Faith killed, proving that writer Yikes! Jody Hauser isn't playing by <laughs> standard superhero rules. Faith has become one of my favorite Valiant heroes, with Hauser capturing a lot of the same magic that reminds me of what I love about Robert Kirkman's Invincible, but without all the extreme violence. This new direction for Faith sees her teaming up with some familiar old friends in a story that looks to push the rules of superhero storytelling even further while maintaining the lighthearted joy readers have come to expect. Faith and the Future Force is another wonderful read from Valiant that left me smiling. Buy it, buy it, buy it. Your pal, Archie, number one from Archie. 32 pages. It's also $3.99. Ty Templeton and Dan Parent bring back the classic style Archie we've all been missing since the big reboot a while back. All of us? Except not really. Templeton does a fine job 
scripting in the classic style. Archie tries to teach Jughead to drive with disastrous results in the lead story. And in the second tale, his struggle to keep the interest of Reach Girl Veronica Lodge may come to an end when Archie discovers uh, he's won $15 million in the Riverdale lottery. Oh, not bad. I know. It's light and it's fun and it's everything you'd expect from an Archie comic. But Dan Parent's art in this is this weird hybrid between the classic Archie House style, which ba- Dan Parent basically defined in, right. in recent years, right? and the more recent Fiona Staples redesign. Yeah. And the result is completely off-putting to me. The girls are just a little more curvy. The guys are just a little bit more muscular. And Archie's hair, Archie's flopping ginger locks move like Medusa of the Inhumans, like Ugh. they have a mind of their own. Ugh. Look, if you wanted to do a book in the classic Archie style, just do it, man. Gotcha. Just go go for it. Or don't. Or go, whatever. <laughs> you know, or Look, don't. I know that Dan Parent is capable of it. I know that there's an audience for it. Your pal Archie was just weird visually. But the story was on point. Fans of the Riverdale gang should skim it. Okay. Like, there's no reason for you to ever look at this book. Uh, don't worry, I'm not going Unless to. you're curious about the art, because it's just kind of bizarre. Okay. Betty Page, number one from Dynamite. Speaking of bizarre, it's 32 pages from 3.99. Everything about this comic screams cheesecake and fan service, but writer David Avalone goes out of his way to instantly establish Betty as a girl who knows she's got good looks, but has brains to match. This Betty pays homage to the heroines of the 50s and 60s and becomes a very capable spy in the process. Does she look great in heels? Absolutely, but she can kick your ass in them too. Don't overlook this title as another girly book. Betty is capable, smart, and badass when she needs to be, which sets her up to be the perfect spy. And Avalone is posing as a writer allowed to tell us the true story of the brunette oh, beauty kind of fun. with a past you never knew. Artist Colton Worley does use some heavy digital effects at times, but he never puts Betty in typical hypersexual positions you would find in a cavewoman comic, for example, which is exactly what I expected here. I have to say, this Betty Page comic was a pleasant surprise. I'm giving it a bias. That is a surprise. Yeah. Savage Dragon 225 from Image. It's 100 pages for $9.99. What a bargain. Damn. In this giant-sized 25th anniversary special, the Savage Dragon is restored to his former glory as he bulks up to take on Dark Lord in final battle. He wasn't bulked up before? No, he had, like, lost his powers. Oh, okay. Meanwhile, Mr. Glum's devious plot to merge the multiverse comes to its cataclysmic conclusion. Savage Dragon and his son Malcolm join forces to save Angel and the very Earth itself. I'll say this for Eric Larson. The man has built a rich world full of bizarre characters, and he's committed himself to building on that world since he first created Dragon over 40 years ago. He talks about it in the book. Savage Dragon was, as we know, was published in 1993 or 92 as one of the Image first launch books. Right. But he actually first appeared 30 years ago in the pages of uh, some very low print run indie comic. But he was actually created by Larson himself when he was a teenager. Like, so we're talking 45 years ago. Gotcha. So he's got a long history with this character, and he's committed to telling that story, and we should all be so lucky. Tune in next week for more Savage Dragon Cat. I'm just saying. <laughs> However. No, plus, he really knows how to make a milestone issue feel special. Uh, Savage Dragon 225 is packed with content from a bunch of talented artists, including Larson himself, whose work I still have a soft spot for. Not me. 
But the whole thing kind of reads like 15-year-old Eric Larson's fantasy wank fest at this point. And then the female hero with huge jugs fights so hard her top flies off. Well, I mean, that's reality, Joe. Some that actually happens boobs, in and this And when they comic. fight, you know, their tops come right off. I can understand why his fans like it. I used to be one of them. But for me anymore, Savage Dragon is just a loads of cod swallow. Nice use of cod swallow. Giving it a skim. Hot take. Never cared about Savage Dragon. Savage Dragon 1 through 75, Never. I will maintain. I love that comic. And Never then cared. He, something happened and I dropped off. Never cared. Generation Gone, are all of your books from last week? No. Okay. Two of them are from this week. Generation Gone, number one. From Image, it's 56 pages for $4.99. It's a deal. Ailish Cod is quickly becoming one of my favorite writers. I know what you're thinking here. Matt, you've been gushing about everything you read this week. How high were you? Well, you read all this shit. The truth is... Very high. Pretty high. But that yeah. doesn't mean this wasn't another incredible read from Cot that introduced us to some very flawed yet interesting young characters hacking into some serious government-controlled sites with the best of intentions while not knowing they're being controlled. Andre Araujo is channeling manga giant Akira creator, manga giant and Akira creator Katashiro Tomo with his art here, and it works perfectly for Cot's wild conspiracy-fueled storytelling. I am very excited for this book goes, and if you love TV shows like The X-Files, Fringe, and any Philip K. Dick stories, you should be reading Generation Gone. Buy it. Akira creator Akiva Goldsman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> go, go, Power Rangers, number one from Boom, 32 pages, $3.99. Ryan Parrott and Dan Mora relaunched the Power Rangers series with the untold story of what happens to Jason, Kim, Trini, Zach, and Billy in the days after they first got their powers. Parrot's script is unexpectedly personal, showing the real toll these giant kaiju battles have had on the citizens of Angel Grove. Like, seriously, there's like, there's a news story that talks about like the city public works can't keep up yeah. with the destruction. Oh, well, yeah. There's too much work. And like, a te- uh, there's a gossip in the hallways about like kids like and teachers like jumping at, at noises like they've got shell shock. <laughs> it was really something. We get a strong sense of all the Power Rangers personalities in just a few panels each. I thought it was a really welcome take on the civilian lives of these characters. And of course, there's plenty of action to go along with it. And Dan Mora just draws the hell out of all of it. I never really latched onto the Power Rangers as a kid. Maybe I was a little too old by the time it got to the States. And I'm not sure I'll stick around for the long haul here, but... I can't deny that Boom has been doing a great job with yeah, this property. Absolutely. Go Go Power Rangers number one gets a buy it. Every time I read one of these, I give it a buy it. It's yeah. been great. Even the spinoff was good. I, the, yeah. the, uh, about the Pink Ranger. I love that first issue of that comic. Yeah. Captain Canuck, season three, number one from Chapter House. It's 32 pages for $3.99. Writer Kelman Andrazovsky returns to the greatest Canadian superhero title ever written. I'm calling my shot. With Leonard Kirk on art. Leonard Kirk on art? What? Yeah, for season three of Captain Canuck. Oh. I hate comic book seasons, but whatever. Cap has given up the maple leaf and returned to a simpler life. But when an alien invasion shows up on Canada's doorstep, he's pulled back into battle. There is so much soul to this comic. Andrzejewski isn't trying to build a massive superhero universe, but rather just writes believable characters that happen to be Canadian protecting their nation. Leonard Kirk has always been a solid artist and storyteller, and here he's playing with some beautiful colors by, and I apologize for this, Yin Fawei Harrison. Yep, that lifts his understated line work to new levels. I've loved every issue of the Cap Canuck relaunch, 
And this latest number one is no exception. Buy it. And if the sales aren't there, please get this team on an Alpha Flight relaunch. Okay? I didn't even know that Leonard Kurt was Canadian. Yeah. I don't know that he is. I mean, not to presume you that everybody working for Chapter House is Canadian. Well, I will not have anyone co-opting Canadian culture. Okay? I want only Canadians don't, working. Don't go that. there. It makes you sound okay. like an asshole. <laughs> Those jokes make you sound like an asshole. <laughs> Cold cock! That is your ludicrous speed round. And cold cock is the onomatopoeia of the week as submitted by listener Tom Barnett. And it also just happens to be the sound of shirtless bear fighter getting, you guessed it, cold cocked. If you want to <laughs> knock us out. By a bear, I presume. With some onomatopoeia, hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, or send us an email to it at nerd at gmail.com. Pick something fun from what you read last week. Send it to us. Quick thanks to everybody that's been submitting on Twitter. Really appreciate it. Uh, trying to give everybody a chance. So if you submit frequently and you haven't get picked, it's because I want to give a lot of different people a chance to get on the show. So. Or we don't like you. One of the two. You know? Or your onomatopoeia is just not that funny. Yeah. Or maybe you're not a very snappy dresser. You know? It's definitely about the fashion. Maybe it's your hair. It's a sad week in the world of cartoon voice acting. Legendary voice actor June Foray passed away at the age of 99. Miss Foray was responsible for the voices of Rocky the Flying Squirrel from The Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle, Cindy Lou Who from The Grinch Who Stole Christmas, and many, many others. But perhaps her most important role... This is me editorializing, by the way. Yeah. Was that of Aunt May Parker on Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Oh, Peter. <laughs> she was like a million. It's with, <laughs> it's with a heavy heart that Matt and I say goodbye to one of the most talented voices in cartoon history. Matt, it's time we leave this magical place that is San Diego and travel through the THN Siege Perilous back to our Sanctum Sanctorum. We have our own Siege Perilous. Yeah, way. of course. Yeah. To binge on some of Miss Foray's work, but... While we travel, why don't we take a short break to discuss what comics we're excited to read next week? Why did we fly out here, by the way, if we were just going to take the Siege Perilous home? You're the one who set up and, this whole doomed trip. I mean, trip. I guess it's dangerous, you know? You don't, you don't want to use it too much. You <laughs> might lose your memory. <laughs> yeah. You might get reborn as a different person. Yeah, all kinds of crap. Who knows? My pick for next week is Mech Cadet U, number one from Boom. It's written by Greg Pak with art by Takeshi Miyazawa. It's 32 pages for $3.99. Here's your solicit. Once a year, giant robots from outer space come to Earth and they bond with young cadets. Not like that, you pervert. From the elite, <laughs> from the elite <laughs> yeah, Sky Corps. Stop it, you sicko. From the elite Sky Corps Academy to defend the world from the terrifying aliens known as the Sharg. It's a great honor to be chosen, but this year, dot, 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 well, comma, the wrong kid was picked. They are saying this is perfect for fans of Amadeus Cho and Pacific Rim, which singling out Amadeus Cho seems odd. It's by the creator of I Amadeus Cho. I get it. I get it. Why I, is that so hard for you to grasp? I don't think he's as popular as Greg Pak thinks he is. Uh, I love Takeshi Miyazawa. That guy's amazing. Yes. This sounds like it's going to be fun. I would have said fans of the Iron Giant and Pacific Rim. Seems a little more, you know, kid and robot. But we've already got one giant robot example. All right, whatever. What's your pick for next week? My pick for next week is Elsewhere, number one from Image Comics, written by Jay Farber. Remember that guy? Yeah. Massively underrated. I mean, he's still doing work. He was writing Copperhead. Up Copperhead's great, by the way. With art by Sumei Kesgin. And Sorry. Again, Sorry. We're, we're doing bad with the names this week. <laughs> it's 32 pages for $3.99, and here is your solicit. Copperhead writer Jay Farber teams with rising star Sumei Kesgin to unveil Elsewhere, colon, the fantastic story 
of what really happened to Amelia Earhart, exclamation point. Because everybody knows all caps need to be read as a scream. You don't use all caps for a complete <laughs> sentence. Jay! <laughs> Mysteriously transported to a strange new world filled with flying beasts and alien civilizations, Amelia desperately struggles to return home. Along the way, she forges alliances and makes enemies as she goes from aviator to freedom fighter in a rebellion against a merciless warlord. I don't know why, and I know that it's very like specific niche, but I love... Uh, what if Amelia Earhart stories like that episode of Star Trek Voyager where well, they like any, find her and yeah, spend an animation? Any of those like historical like person that died climbing a mountain or whatever. You right. Know, like, no, the secret league, they like, got kidnapped to yeah. a management land full of beasts and monsters. I'm 100% in. Totally. Uh, I love Jay Farber books. He's written a lot of my favorite image comics, uh, Noble Causes, uh, uh, Dynamo 5, yeah. which I love. Yeah. Dynamo 5. Um, and yeah, I. I wish I had stayed caught up on Copperhead. It was great what I read. It's wonderful. I'm way behind. I I'm need to go back to it. still reading Copperhead. It's great. But yeah, I'm pumped for this. The art looks great. What's not to love? The THN Trade of the Week goes to Jim Shooter, colon, Conversations. It's a hardcover. From University Press of Mississippi, which strangely puts out a ton of comic book related stuff. Academic type stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've been yeah. doing it for years. It's written by Jason Sachs. What? Well, it's edited by Jason Sachs. Oh, I see what's it's going on here. It's a collection of interviews. Joe Patrick and his old boy network. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's a collection of interviews from yeah. throughout the history, yeah. the career he of Jim Shooter. Them. He compiled And then there's a new interview at the back that I presume Jason Sachs cool. had a hand in. It's 256 pages for 40 bones. Wowzers. That's a steal. Here's your solicit. As an American comic book writer, editor, and businessman, Jim Shooter, born 1951, remains among the most important figures in history, in the history of the medium. In history, period. <laughs> Interviews collected in this book span Shooter's career. Included here is a 1969 interview that shows a restless teenager. The 1973 interview that returns Shooter to comics. A discussion from 1980 during his pinnacle at Marvel and two conversations from his time at Valiant and Defiant Comics. At the close, an extensive original interview encompassing Shooter's full career. Jim Shooter, favorite Marvel editor-in-chief. Um, Jim Shooter is a controversial figure in he comics is. history. He is. But there is no denying that at Marvel Comics, he is responsible for some of the greatest I Marvel comics love ever him. made. I love him. Like Days of Future Past, yeah. like the Claremont Burn X-Men stuff. Yeah. Like Oversaw Jim some Shooter. amazing Secret stuff. Wars. He also started writing the Legion of Superheroes at like, 13 years of age. Yeah, it's crazy. He was stupid young when he yeah. started. It's nuts. No, and of course, this book, I think, technically came out this week. Normally, we schedule, uh, normally, we try to look ahead right. to next week's books. But, but we wanted to highlight this one. Could not, could not pass up a chance to talk about our boy, Jason Sachs. Yeah, come on. Come on. Now that you know our must-read picks for next week, we want to hear from you. There's so much stuff on the racks each week, we can't possibly cover it all. What would you like to hear us cover? Hit us up on Facebook, Twitter. Why are we asking them for this? What? Why are we asking them to tell us what to do? I want to know what they are thinking of things. They are, we, no, but like I'm just saying when they think we're not covering enough or they want to hear us do something weird, you know, like, come on, tell us. Oh, so like, like Tim when, did the other So week. like when Jason Sachs says, hey, change your recording day to Sunday so no, that I can go hiking. No, that's changing the recording day. That's like, look, different. You guys don't control us. Yeah, you don't God tell us how to live. It. Uh, hit us up on Facebook, Twitter. Matt's even threatening to start a teach in Snapchat. Could happen. Uh, I have considered starting an Instagram account. I just don't know what I would post pictures of. Right. Tell us what you think we should be reading, damn it. Joe, sick of writing this show. 
What do you say we just invite the whole damn internet to steer this show straight into the sun? It's time for our cover to cover segment where you nerds take control. It's easy as calling us at 402-819-4894 every Saturday from 11 a.m. to 12.30 Central Standard Time. 12.30 p.m. We're not doing this until midnight, okay? Lordy. You can talk about anything in the news. You can completely derail the show altogether, or you can answer the question of the week. Speaking of which, Joey, what was the question this week? This week's question was short and sweet, and it came from our good buddy Zach Hollowell. What was your favorite Saturday morning cartoon growing up? So there it is, nerds. You've heard the news, and you've got your question. Joey, open the phone lines! Let's get to our first call and pretend like we don't know who it is. Caller, thank you for calling the THN Cover to Cover show. Who this? JD, gotta catch them all. What up, JD? Hey. How you doing, brother? Good. I missed you guys last week. Sorry about that. That's right. No, that yeah, was your I, fault. That wasn't our fault. No, that was your fault. I saw you post about the ringer being off, but we never even saw the phone ring. Ah, so, yeah. yeah. Weird. Weird. I blame Google. Well, I'm here now. Well, let's wrap. What do you want to wrap about, brother? Well, okay. So last week was uh, a couple things. One was the question of the week was, what would you say to your younger self? Correct. I would say, save your damn money. Because if you want to make it into comics as a writer... You're gonna have to pay artists. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. To be a to be a writer and not an artist and break into the industry, the unfortunate truth is is you have to end up being an employer. Yeah, you're gonna hire people and you're gonna have to pay because no matter how good your script is, no matter how clever your idea is, no one's gonna work for free. The other thing is, don't drug test. If that's a big thing for you, <laughs> forget <laughs> yeah. it. Go into a different yeah, line no, of work. No, 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 no. Well, and I, I might drug test just to make sure they're on the right stuff. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, like if you pass yeah, your right, drug right. test, you're fired. I'm sorry. You know? <laughs> exactly. Your drug test came back negative. I want you to understand that. You failed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but the, the whole having to pay artists, I mean, that's why, I mean, that's why I'm, that's why I'm writing a novel now. So, I mean, because I just, I don't have the money and I can't find the right people. So I just figured I'll just write prose. Well, everybody knows novel writing is way easier than comic writing. So way to take the easy. Yeah. Yeah. Out. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Last two years of my life that have just gone down a black hole. Yeah. But, uh, and so one other thing I want to talk about that you guys discussed last week is you were talking about the, uh, the, the movies that never made it that were traded around and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The black market comic book movies of the 80s and yeah. 90s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, wasn't there a global frequency uh, pilot? It was, it was they a pilot. made a pilot, yes. Yeah. And um, Michelle Forbes from Star Trek The Next Generation, uh, mm -hmm. she played Ensign Rowe on Star Trek, uh, was Miranda Zero. And it's an, it's an awesome pilot. It's a kick-ass show. It would have been so good. The pilot is still Where? up on YouTube. You can see it. Oh, is it okay? Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to find Yeah, I just looked it, it up. Okay. But back in the day, yeah, you had, to, you had to get it on, on tape or DVD uh, because they, didn't, they never released it. It was a decent pilot, though. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I, that was one I would have watched the hell out of. And, okay, hey, FX, you're picking up all these comic properties. You're running with them. You're doing a great job. Give us global frequency, yeah. huh? Or come on. Or no, fuck, I, mean, I mean, fuck FX. Get AMC to do it. Yeah, I mean, whatever. They, yeah. They've, they've been Walking Dead and Preacher so well. So, yeah. Fair enough. I would Damn. watch the hell out of it. Yeah, I, I think global I frequency would make a great show. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. And it's not a dated property at all because I mean, yeah, I mean, he's in the comic, he's got those big clunky cell phones. I mean, just make it an app. Sure. I mean, just totally love people to pick up their cell phones and suddenly see that, that little red circle with the triangles pop up on their phone. And it's like, Oh shit, I'm on the frequency. Right. Yeah. It works. I think maybe the, I wonder if the only thing that may might hold them back is the fact that global frequency was not an ensemble. Right. Every yeah. other than Aleph and Miranda, yeah. it that, was a different mm-hmm. one agent. That could be tough to or sell. two or two agents. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, without I mean, without I mean, like I mean, a handsome cast that you can have right. in every episode. I well, mean, but you can fudge it. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> but, like you can make some tweaks to the to the concept. Right. Well, I, gotta do uh, man, I don't know. That's one of the things I liked about it, though, was the fact that you had this revolving cast and that you could, you know, and it would make a great showcase. And. They could almost do it uh, maybe American Horror Story style, where you have like a core troupe that plays different characters every season. Ooh, that's good. Huh. That would be weird. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, but American Horror Story does it with yeah. huge success, right? They yeah, bring the true. same actors back every yeah. year, but it's totally different. Yeah, but they're also there for the whole season. This would be true. show by show. But They'd be different characters. Yeah, that right. could be wackadoo. Well, you yeah, could right. do a, I mean, you could do a pretty cool... Um, you know, overarching story arc each sure. season, which would be kind of interesting. Sure. And honestly, uh, there isn't a huge reason why you couldn't make it the same group of agents or whatever. You know, I mean, that wouldn't bother me that much. Um, uh, I, I think, and another thing I think uh, that is in the global frequency concepts uh, detriment for TV is that like <laughs> half the time it was like, Nerdy weirdo, not handsome McAbs, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. So it's like, yeah. well, here's here's an episode about some zitty teenager that's helping them uh, cure this poison. Right. <laughs> well, I don't know, because, I mean, the very first, I mean, I, I'm, I'm just started, I'm just rereading it again. And I mean, the very first agent you meet is like a SEAL Team Delta Six guy. Yeah. Yeah. Very you true. Know? So, I mean, you could have. I mean, well, and Hollywood has a long, I mean, rich history of taking beautiful people and putting glasses on them and going, look, they're a nerd, you yeah. know, like, or whatever. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the felicity conundrum. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Jeff, thank you for your call, brother. It is always good to talk to you. Thank you. Talk to you guys later. Bye, Jeff. All right, buddy. Look, yeah, you know what? Whatever, whatever global frequency is, that's Hollywood's problem, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like I'm all for it. I don't care if it's different people every no, episode. No, it, it wouldn't bother me at all. Yeah. I just, I can see that being hard to sell. Yes, and that's probably why it never got. And me. that's a lot of actors you got to tie up and right. Oh, one show, one shot at a time. And, yeah. yeah, I mean, it could it's be. Like, uh, come to L.A. for three weeks. Yeah, and then maybe we'll call you later. Yeah, right? it could be a nightmare. Kind of hard. Yeah. What do you do? Oh well. Not my problem. While we're waiting for a new call, let's go to our inbox. First call came Tuesday from uh, Black Scorpion the Three, it looks like. Boosh. Hey, nerds. It's BS3 with an answer for the question of the week on Saturday morning cartoons. Uh, my favorite cartoon started with, hey, look, it's a Dungeons and Dragons ride. <laughs> uh, the implausible beginning to the show I love was the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon. Uh, I was little when it came out, and it had everything I wanted. It had that nice core roster where each member had their own enchanted item, an area of expertise. The bad guys looked genuinely scary, and it delivered on amazing uh, over-the-top stories. And on top of that, it had good Marvel Studios animation, recognizable voices and sounds from 
the G.I. Joe cast. Yeah. So the premise is that a group of kids on a Dungeons & Dragons ride at a fair got transported through a portal into a realm of Dungeons & Dragons. And the formula, every episode was the Dungeon Master, an actual character, gave them quests to help them open the portal and get home. And uh, I liked it. People tell me it doesn't hold up. Doesn't. Delivered why I want it, though. <laughs> if you buy the DVD set, it comes with character sheets so you can play the D&D campaign with all their stats. Uh, and one more thing, if you want to see Paul Dini and Michael Reeves write for a cartoon before Batman the Animated Series, here you go. It's got uh, Steve Gerber, Buzz Dixon, even uh, Mark Evanier from uh, Gru. Yep. Wow. They all wrote for the series. Too. Wow. So, that's my pick. I love it. Think of it fondly. Take care, nerds. That's an awesome pick. Future comic guys are all over Saturday morning wow. cartoons. No, no, absolutely. J. Michael Straczynski. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some serious logistical issues with the party. In Dungeons and Dragons, <laughs> like why you got had, one of everything? You had three people that have offensive weapons. You have one guy that just has a shield. <laughs> you have a wizard that can't do anything. <laughs> well, that's more about the character than the class, right? They've got a fighter. Right. They've got a uh, tank. They've got right. an, a ranger. They've yeah. got a wizard. They have a mentally handicapped unicorn. Uh, you know? Did they have a bard? No. No. No bard. But uh, yeah, they had like a full party. Cavalier and acrobat. And there yeah, was the there girl go. with the staff. That was right. the other one. Yeah. Oh, and every chance I had to go home, every chance. It happened like, okay, I'm going to blow your mind. Do you know there was only one season of the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon? Uh, not only was there only one season, but there's only like 13 episodes. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> like it felt like it ran forever. <laughs> but at the end, they go home. Yeah, at the end, they did go home. But they had six chances to go home. No less than six. And every time, the little barbarian dork would go, what, guys? What about Uni? And then Uni would go, meh. And they'd be like, oh, shit, we can't leave. We have our mentally handicapped <laughs> unicorn friend here. Take the unicorn to Earth and make a shitload of money, you morons. Travel the fair circuit. Screw it. You're already at the fair. You're at a roller coaster. Sell it to the government and let them dissect it. You know, that's got to be worth something. All right, right, enough of this. Enough of this. (laughs) Trevor Henderson tuned into the video with only a couple minutes to watch. He wants to know, did we watch the Shape of Water trailer? No. Yes. You did. And he's like, isn't it Ape Sapien? And it's it's like... Very much like Guillermo del Toro. Oh, this is the Guillermo del Toro thing. Wishing he could make a Hellboy movie or an Abe Sabian movie yeah. and doing what he can. Yeah. Um, I don't think it actually is, but man, no. is it very reminiscent. It's not. It is very reminiscent. I don't want del Toro to make another Hellboy movie. I think you're wrong. I do not okay. like either of the Hellboy movies. And I, this is coming from a man that has Hellboy tattooed. This big on his arm, okay? So I know what I'm talking Hellboy about. Hellboy 1 is a great time. Other than the love story, yeah. other than the love story, yeah. Hellboy 1 is a great time. It was fun. And Hellboy, the Golden Army, or whatever the heck it was called, is beautiful. It's beautiful and a terrible film. It's, it's terrible. so gorgeous. It's very pretty. I hear the Valerian is gorgeous, too, and there's, like, no soul to it whatsoever. <laughs> Anyhow, Trevor, sorry we don't have more time, but yes. We got a call coming in here. Let's see who this is. Thank you for calling THN cover to cover caller. Who this? Hey, this is Kyle from San Diego. Hey, Kyle. Kyle. We were just in San Diego minutes ago. You were? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Literally minutes ago. We jumped through the THN siege Polarius and came back to the, uh, the ziggurat. Yeah, it's very complicated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to try. It's podcasting and, magic. I'm not going to try and, you know, make your little mind understand our sorcery. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to rap about, Kyle? <laughs> I was calling about the uh, question of the week. Hit us. Let's wrap. 
So uh, I didn't watch a lot of Saturday morning cartoons, okay. but the my favorite by far was DuckTales. Okay, fair. I just uh, life was like a hurricane. Totally, yeah. Race cars, yeah. I mean, airplanes. I just, I just couldn't exactly. You got Scrooge McDuck. You yeah, got all that money. He's like diving into it. I mean, it was great. <laughs> Which physically a really bad idea for those of you at home watching and listening. That, do not look, put yeah, a bunch of coins into a room and dive into it. If there's anything I, if I've learned one thing from cartoons, is that cartoon physics are different. Right. Backstroking <laughs> through doubloons and spitting yeah. them out your mouth. You know? Look, he's yeah. just really talented. <laughs> Are you excited for the DuckTales relaunch? I am. I am I too. Am. I'm very excited. For it. Yeah, I, it should be really good. I'm so ex- I am so excited for the DuckTales reboot. Like when they announced the voice cast yeah. of the DuckTales reboot and then they had the cast sing the th- old theme song. Yeah. I like wept. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. DuckTales is a great one, Kyle. Thank you for your call, brother. Hey, Kyle. Oh, hey. Thank you for your service in San Diego. Oh, yeah. You got us a bunch of intros. We appreciate that. That Uh, was so awesome. Thank you. uh, Above and beyond. Truly appreciate it. Uh, All of you other slackers out there that were at Comic-Con, and I know you're out there. Yeah. You can just break your phones now because we don't want you. Or Motor City Con or wherever you're going, hey, you can approach people like Kyle did and be like, hi, I'm being forced to ask for intros by this podcast. <laughs> Look, he these did two it jerks I don't even know. He did it for the love. <laughs> don't make it weird. And then you could send them to us and we will yell about how great you are on this show. There you go. How well, did, you have a, did you have a fun time at the convention? Uh, it was awesome. It was awesome. What was your favorite uh, thing? So uh, there, are, there are a few things that were really great. My favorite thing, so I went to the March panel again with, with John Lewis, and I, awesome. I talked about that last year, and, and that was really, really cool. Um, John Barrowman was really funny. I went to a couple panels with him, um, and they had a new program that's – a new TV show that's being launched by Seth Rogen that's going to be on Hulu. I forget the name of it right now, but I went to that panel, and the show looks so funny, uh, and it's uh, – it's like this sci-fi time travel, uh, and it stars the guy uh, Peta from Hunger Games. Future Man uh, is the name of the show. Yes, it looks so funny. I think it premieres in October. Interesting. I might even subscribe to Hulu just to watch that. Oh, awesome! Or uh, you know, steal somebody's subscription for it. Sure. But, uh, you know, not that we condone yeah. that on this show. We would never. You nope. know. Nope. <laughs> that is a crime. And Kyle, after we get off the phone with you, we are calling the police. Sorry, buddy. Oh, this is how it goes. All right. That's right. It's all strictly hypothetical. It's a two-headed point. narc. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank so. you, Kyle, very much. Well, we really appreciate it. Yeah, it was uh, so I'm sorry. Awesome. You were about to say something else. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, uh, you know, uh, have a great Saturday. Take care, and uh, and thanks. All right, brother. Thank Keep you, Keep up Kyle. the good work. Thank right. you, Kyle. Okay. Bye-bye. <laughs> uh, Ryan McLaughlin. Oh, nice. Friend of yours. Rymo. Uh, he, tuned, he tuned in. He said, hello, pipe. And then he could see beeps, and he says, beeps looks really into this. Oh, yeah. He's chilling over here <laughs> in the corner. This is our executive producer. Works very hard, as you can see. Caller, thank you for calling Teach and cover to cover. Who this? Today is D. What up, D? Hey. You sound bassy and powerful today. Listen to you. That's good. Yeah. Are you feeling better right. this week, D? You're speaking from the diaphragm. I am. I can tell. From the diaphragm. But you got a stream, is that? We're glad you're feeling better. What do you want to rap about, brother? Uh, I sent a, a voicemail again, just in case I couldn't call. Okay. But, uh, 
Hopefully the sound quality is better than it was last time. Last week I sounded awful. Yeah, you're all over the place. Uh, the connection was a little rough, but we made it work. Awesome. Um, I wanted to talk about personalities when it came to came to Superman and Batman. Okay. We all know that Batman has two personalities, Bruce Wayne and Batman. But Superman has three personalities. Kal-El, Clark Kent, and Superman. Okay. I have thoughts about this. Oh, boy. Get, go on. Go on. Um, my thing is, like, which is, like, the dominant personalities for both of these characters. We, I think we all pretty much know that Batman is the dominant personality for Bruce Wayne. Yeah. But if it... Is it Powell? Is it Superman? Or is it Clark Kent? That's like the best dominant personality for that character. I think it's kind of Clark Kent, but I think sometimes he wishes he was Powell. I, but I think Superman is just just the mask that he puts on, you know, that everyone just seems to love. But I think he loves being either Powell or Clark Kent. I want to know what your guys' thoughts are, especially since Joe is as much of a Superman nut as I am. So. Like you said, I totally agree that Batman is the real. Right. And Bruce Wayne is the mask. Yeah. Um, though I think that sometimes that veneer cracks uh, because Batman is very clearly mentally ill. Right. <laughs> like, Other times he's the purple he, alien Batman from right. wherever. He's, he's, he's living <laughs> with like severe trauma. And every once in a while, like the Batman persona cracks and you just like... And Alfred's right there, and he's just like, oh, man, that little kid I once knew, you know? Yeah. And so it's all very powerful stuff. When it comes to Superman, there have been many different takes on this idea. Uh, in the Silver Age, up until up until the crisis in 85, Kal-El was the dominant. Like, yeah. he, I am Kal-El of Krypton. Right. Living on Earth, and both Clark Kent and Superman wore masks that he wore. Right. Right. He's a full-on alien. Right. Um, not, I mean, he was raised on Earth, and he obviously, like, related to humanity and but everything. knew he was an alien. But he identified as Kal-El of Krypton. Yeah, Kryptonian. Whoa. And um, that's a neat idea, but hard to relate to. Yes. And that's why I love the post-crisis reboot by John Byrne so much, and it's kind of carried through till now. Yeah. And that Clark Kent... It, like Superman is Clark Kent. Superman is just a costume. Right. Um, he happens to be Kal-El of Krypton, but he is Clark Kent. I would go as far as to argue that they, Superman, while he maybe has like three different ego, alter egos, is always the same person. He is Superman. He is Clark Kent. Right. He is Kal-El. And all of that is what makes him who he is. You know what I mean? Right. And like, I don't think other than, other than, when writers kind of throw back to that Christopher Reeve style story of the bumbling, right. You know, Clark Kent, I don't think that there's a measurable difference in behavior between the three. No personas. Definitely. I think that Clark Kent acts like Superman. Yeah. And, and that's it. Well, and like David Carradine said in that kill bill speech, when he was talking about the difference between Superman and Spider-Man, Superman doesn't need an alter ego. He could just be Superman. Right. And there's nothing you can do about it. You know, the guy's unstoppable. Spider-Man has an alter ego because he wants to protect his loved ones and he wants to have a normal life. Superman has an alter ego because he loves humanity and wants to be one of us. And well, wants right. to protect humans. Well, and yeah. he and he and he's was, the best of us. And he was raised as as human, and so he's yeah. got human ties. Yeah. And you know, if he were just to say, you know what, I'm Superman. If he were to pull a Tony Stark, 
Yeah. You know, and say, yep, I'm, I'm Superman. That's it. His life would be over essentially. Yeah. He just have to be Superman full time. He would, it would be like the, he would be like the Samaritan in in Astro City. That guy, the only reason that the Samaritan in Astro City pretends to be Asa Martin is so he doesn't lose his damn mind. Yeah. (laughs) Have you ever read Astro City D? No, all of it. Only parts. Um, the very first issue of Astro City is called A Dream of Flying. And it's about the Superman analog Samaritan. Yeah. And it's very classic style Superman where like Samaritan is the main identity and his alter ego is the mask. And he, in the story, they say that he uses that alter ego to like stay close to new stories so that he's always like ready to go. Right. right. And, and also he can be left alone because he's the editor of the newspaper. He can like lock himself in his office and then yeah. disappear. It's Nobody like, knows. What if Perry White was Superman. Sure. That's true analog. My goodness. Um, but it's all about like how lonely his life is. Yeah. Even when he's like, he's got a date with winged victory, the, uh, one of his contemporaries and it's just like super awkward and he doesn't know how to interact with people. He's got a fa- He's got an empty dimension, like an infinite dimension of emptiness. That's full of every trophy he's ever been given by any civilization that was grateful for his help. And it's just like, it's like in the matrix when Morpheus calls up the guns in the white room. Yeah, right. Right. And it's just like trophies for as far as the, eye can see, because that's like 24 seven, his life. You need to read that first Astro city. And story it's D. so sad. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. so sad. It's a really cool take on like what, what Superman might actually right. be like. And if he- that's why I appreciate the modern take on Superman so much where like he is Clark Kent. Yeah. And he's just doing the best he can with what he's got to help people. Um, but right yeah, on. that's a great question, D. Yeah, excellent question, D. Yeah. D- digging into superhero psychology here. I appreciate your call, brother. Always. Bye. All right. The ringer is on. In the meantime, let's go back to the oh. voicemail. <laughs> I've been looking forward to this call all week. Uh, our next call is, um, I won't spoil who it's from, but it's from an old friend. Uh, we'll just let him talk for himself, speak okay. for himself. All right. I'm, you got me curious now. Yeah. I have no idea what's going on. You can't fucking defend it. <laughs> They're taking my favorite villain in the goddamn DCU and turning her into shit. <laughs> I can't even do a character this week. I fucking hate what they do in the Harley Quinn. It's, it's, it's fucking infuriating. They took Paul Dini's fucking brilliant creation from the animated series and they're turning into fucking Deadpool Lake. Fucking Christ, this is bad as Gwen Stacy now. <laughs> Fuck! Just kill her! Cut her fucking head off! End it! Please, for the love of God, end it! Oh, this is this is Chris, by the way. Hi, Chris. Hi, <laughs> uh, that was the THN Bachelor, Chris Bockelder. <laughs> Bockelder is not uh, crazy about Harley Quinn. Uh, for the record, he's got some conflicted emotions. I don't have a problem with Harley Quinn, the character. I don't care for what she has turned into, just like Bach Elder. Yes, exactly. I don't give a shit about hot pants, Harley Quinn, you know, daddy's little monster it, no. or whatever. It's I don't, gross. I don't need it's it. It's gross. I don't need it. Um, though, I will say this. If you look back at the uh, Harley Quinn stuff in the animated series, which maybe we were too young to notice or comprehend at the time. Yeah. Uh, there's some weird stuff in there, man. There's oh, some, sure. Like, the Joker-Harley relationship is... Super creepy. It was supposed to be though. <laughs> that was a thing. Yeah, I get it, but I don't, and I don't know if it like speaks towards 
like Paul Dini's <laughs> state of mind at the time. No. But um, it makes the Joker more evil. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, I, <laughs> that's the idea. I actually, I, I like, I subscribe to the philosophy that the Joker is essentially asexual. Like he's just a, he's broken, right? Yeah. Not that, not that people that, that identify as asexual are broken, but Joker does not think in those terms because his mind is a shattered maze. I subscribe to the theory that he'll have sex with anybody. No. Yeah. You subs- let's you, do it. You He's subscribe. Like, I don't care, man. You subscribe to the <laughs> Kevin Smith philosophy where the Joker offers to let Deadshot violate him anally for helping him escape from Arkham Asylum. Well, that would just do him. Yes. You know. Uh, no, I don't think the Joker thinks about sex. I don't think he cares. I think the Joker only cares. Like Morrissey. About the joke. Yeah. Yeah, like Morrissey. Like Morrissey. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> and so I I kind of like the idea that Harley Quinn is obsessed with this guy that can never, not only won't he, but I don't think he can, like, right. return her affection. And he, if he does, it's just a ploy. Yeah. And so I like what they kind of developed later in the comics where she was like, fuck that Joker. Right. And she started going around on her own with and with Poison Ivy and being her own character. Yeah. That's what I like. All right. Shut up. <laughs> Thank you for calling THN cover to cover. Caller, who this? Uh, this is Nate. Nate. What's going on, brother? Hey, hey guys. Uh, just uh, out on vacation. Thought I'd give you guys a shout. Where I you at? I watch you live because... Uh, we're at a Mahoney, and the reception is horrible out here for data. So. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Mahoney yeah, State so. Park. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yep. You picked a good weekend, yeah, we're too. Out here for the, it's the uh, Delta Aquarius meteor shower this weekend. That's right. The peak. Are you on top of the tower? Are you on top of the rickety tower right now? I'm just going to pretend uh, no, that you no. are. Don't tell me. I'm okay. just going to pretend that you are. <laughs> it's swinging back and forth. Uh, the tower made the... What is it? The one out of Platte River was made in the 60s and yes. yeah. looks like it has, hasn't been worked on since. It's yeah. a death trap. It's like one of those spinny rides that just exploded at that carnival in Detroit and killed people. You know, be careful, man. <laughs> there's, a, there's a picture of Richard Nixon cutting the ribbon. Like, ha <laughs> 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 your tower, fools. <laughs> While we have you on the line, Nate, you're an old man like me. We want you to answer the question uh-huh. of the week. What was your favorite Saturday morning cartoon? Uh, I, I researched this a ton, and I actually, uh, I'm going to go with the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon. Okay. I figured that was going to be very two, popular. Two votes for d and I figured that would be very popular. Yeah, well, I just saw that at Target you can get the the whole run on Blu-ray. Yeah. Uh, for like 10 bucks. Thank God it's finally on Blu-ray, too, because I, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> it's about time they did. I want to see it in just the highest quality. Yeah, <laughs> I want it with as all the peas, yeah. as many peas as they can get in there. Well, I haven't, I haven't bought it yet because I'm afraid to watch it again because you know the the whole nostalgia. Mm-hmm. It was cool then, but I bet if I watch it now, I'd be like, "Wow, this sucks." It's not great. It's not yeah. great. You know what though? Uh, for a trip down memory lane, ten bucks is not that steep of a price. No, whatever. Like. Like some years ago, when they started releasing cartoons on DVD, they were putting out the GI Joe box sets. Do you remember that? Yeah, uh, and they were really expensive. Yeah, and if I had bought like some of those GI Joe, I love still. Sure, but if I had if I had bought something like that for like sixty bucks for like a, the Thundercats box set, for sure, example. right? And you right. watch it, and it's like, yeah. oh god, this cartoon is a piece of shit. Yeah. Uh, I would have been very mad. <laughs> Leave it to me. Yeah. Sorry, Joe. 
<laughs> I watched a couple of the original He-Mans with the kids because I'm like, hey, because it was on some streaming service. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I loved this while growing up, and I watched it, and like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like it hold up. It's not even charming, it's really, you know. <laughs> really, really, really gay. Oh yeah. Like, <laughs> the, I, I love I love our LGBTQ community. It's fantastic, but poor Prince wow, Adam. Something going on. Poor Prince Adam, stuck in the closet, afraid to come out. <laughs> you know, like it was rough for him. The uh, the the He Man Shira holiday special, uh, Christmas special, is a holiday staple here in the Ziggurat. That's right. We watch it every year. <laughs> Uh, the day we record right. the drunk show. Yeah. Nate, thank you for your call, brother. Have fun camping. Let us know how the meteor shower looks. Yeah, all right. Will do. All right. We'll talk See to you, you soon. See you guys. Bye. I am going to play another voice message while we wait for a call. Oh, I already had it called up and everything. Look at this. Boosh. Hey, guys. It's Jason Sachs. Sorry, long time listener. Frequent missing caller. Uh, how's it going? Hope you're doing well. you got to stop scheduling your live call-in windows during the time that I go hiking every Saturday morning. Hey, Come on. hiking's for nerds, Jason. Anyway, uh, three topics. So first of all, what would I have told my younger self? I would have told my younger self to chill the hell out. Yes. Just relax. Don't get stressed about silly things that don't matter. Especially what comics are good or bad, just like them all. Just read the good stuff that makes you happy. You don't have to read what they tell you to read in the comics journal, although a lot of that stuff was pretty great. <laughs> uh, you know, just just chill out. And, and by the way, dress a little better. Come on. Don't let, don't let your parents dress you all your life. Uh, secondly, book with the most replay or reread value. This is me dating myself. Steve Gerber's Defenders from the 1970s, the whole Headman saga, I've read and reread and re-reread that storyline, oh, dozens of times at this point, and it's just so freaking wonderful. It's just bizarre. It's satirical. It's hilarious. It's strange. And best of all, it's like totally deadpan, too, with that awesome Sal Buscema art. And then finally, Saturday morning cartoon, I remember them because, you know, like I just revealed, I'm freaking old. Okay, <laughs> really freaking old, um, but not as old as the Orca. Hey. Um, oh, what else the challenge of the Super Friends? I mean, oh, come on. Yeah. It may, they may have been lame totally. stories, but all those costumes right there on the screen looking cool and it super was heroic. It, it was neat. Love awesome. that stuff. Love you guys. Sorry I haven't called in a while. Again, think about Sundays or afternoons or something. Please, for those of us in Seattle, thanks a lot. See you later. Listen, Bye. Jason, we have real lives. Yeah, I got this stupid wife that makes me hang out wives. with her on Sundays. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Challenge of the Super Friends, I mean, friends, I do man. sympathize. I wish he could call life. Challenge of the Super Friends was so great. Maybe consider hiking on Sunday. Meanwhile, back at Stately Wayne Manor. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ted Knight. Yeah. Ted Knight from Caddyshack was the narrator of Super Friends. So good. He came back and did something. Uh, maybe it was for Harvey Birdman or something on Adult Swim. I don't think that was actually him. Was yeah, it? it was. It was before he died. Oh. Yeah, it was All right, so we got a call coming in. We got a call coming in. Thank you for calling THN Cover to Cover. Caller, who this? It's Kevin Coffey. What up, Kevin hey. Coffey? Wait, the Omaha World Herald's famous Kevin Coffey? One and the same. Wow. Who professed his love for 311 not long ago, making me never want to speak to him again? That Kevin Coffey? <laughs> yeah. Okay, just yeah. making sure. <laughs> Same, same guy, man. What's going on, brother? What do you want to rap about? I was going to tell him about my favorite Saturday morning cartoon. Cool. Hit us. Nice. 
uh, it is the really, really terrible. Well, I loved it at the time, but the X-Men 90s cartoon. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah, it was Which, bad. It's got a great theme song, though. I adored it when I was a though. kid, and then uh, my wife loved it, too, and we were talking about how much we love, like, how they did the Phoenix Saga, because they went all in. They did, like, four episodes. Oh, yeah. Did the entire thing, and it was awesome. And so I, I bought it on DVD, and we watched it, and we were like, yeah, this is this is pretty god-awful. It was <laughs> terrible. And, like, they tried to force all these, like, one-liners into Wolverine to make him tough, and right. they were so yeah. bad. Like, so bad. They pushed bad. the Cyclops, the Cyclops and Wolverine hate each other thing. Yeah. Uh, what's really oh. funny is the animation is particularly bad. Like, yeah. different yeah. characters are different sizes, depending <laughs> on what scene they're in. <laughs> Like it's uh, it's so awful, but I do kind of love how they would do those um, those particular storylines and be like, no, we're not just going to give you the brief version of like we're going to straight up do like an eight episode. Oh arc yeah, of some right. Weird thing. They were and, not scared. But what I yeah. liked about it as like a as a longtime comic fan was that they weren't exact. Yeah. Adaptations. They like did no. their own spin on them. Right. Which was amazing to me at the time. Yeah. But yeah, I, mean, I, lo- I love that it. too. They did Days of the Future Past. I mean, they they dug into some weird X stuff that wouldn't yep. work anywhere else. Now, I have to give them like some credit because they were dealing with these huge epic storylines. They're like, okay, we got to crush this into twenty two minutes, guys. <laughs> like, so uh, let's get and real they more creative. Off. Yeah. yeah, no, they did. Pretty it's, it's it's good, even though it's bad. And you know, like, right, their budget was terrible. You know, it was. Oh, oh no! Yeah. I, don't, I mean, I don't know, the, man. They, they these these shows, this show and the Spider-Man cartoon, they had huge, huge marketing pushes. Well, I know, I know. Like I'm, I bet you yeah. the budget was big. And I will say, Spider-Man did the same thing. They dug into it, right? Like it was nuts. How the Spider-Man show did, also bad. They Terrible. did the old school filmation stuff where they would reuse the same like shot of someone doing some move like six times in an episode. Yep. Oh yeah. And like yep. when I was a kid, I didn't notice. <laughs> now I'm like, oh, what the hell? Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's totally exactly. Blatant. Like people are in completely different backgrounds where they're supposed to be having a conversation with <laughs> someone in the same room. Like what the hell? <laughs> like, ah, uh, they're idiots. They won't notice. <laughs> yeah. See, and I love, I've, I've enjoyed the other X-Men cartoons they've had and we have like every other Avenger cartoon and everything else, but still no X-Men cartoon. Like, yeah. I had one for years now. Yeah. yeah. I, That's more Marvel business, I think, with Sony yeah, and the rights so and stuff. Too. And, you know, it's too bad. But Marvel did that to themselves at a time where they did not know that this would become the movie juggernaut that it is. You know, yeah. what can you do? Yeah. It's sad. Well, thank you, Kevin. Well, thanks for letting me wrap, fellas. Yeah. Absolutely. Appreciate the call. Always good to talk to you, brother. Have a good weekend. You too. Thanks, fellas. Have a good one. Later. I tried to rewatch some of those X Men episodes, and they, they are don't just hold up. awful. They're so bad, really. There you are. Okay, here we go. Thank you for calling THN Cover to Cover Caller. Who dis? And it sounds like you're doing it correctly this time. <laughs> it's Tony. It's Tony. Tony. What's happening, Tony? How we doing? I'm good. I'm good. Um, okay, so this is an easy, easy one. Okay. Schoolhouse Rock. Is your favorite Saturday morning cartoon with Schoolhouse Rocks? Schoolhouse Rock was the best. It was great. I'm just a bill, I'm a bill, I'm a bill. <laughs> That's not the song, up, but yeah. <laughs> uh, I love Schoolhouse Rock. Yeah, it's, re- it's a really fun show. It was good. Zero, the, my hero. Y- you are getting every song <laughs> very wrong. That was the Zero song. My Hero Zero yes. is the name of the song. Yeah. Yes. In the, uh, in the mid nineties, we went to, when we went to Chicago, 
And I wanted to do two things. I wanted to go to Wrigley Field and sing the seventh inning stretch with Harry Carey. Sorry about that. Let me turn that off. And I wanted to go see Schoolhouse Rock Live. They had this weird little theater group. Oh, yeah. I don't even remember what part of the, the part of the city it was in. But we had to get tickets like three months ahead of time. Oh, and really? it was this weird little theater group. And they basically put on this musical and they did all of the songs from Schoolhouse Rock. Wasn't there also like a revamped Schoolhouse Rock that came out with the, like, and it was a bunch of different bands playing the songs? Yeah, there was a, there was a, oh, an oh, yeah. album that came out in the nineties called Schoolhouse Rock Rocks. Yes. And it is amazing. Yeah. yeah. Still today. I like, I will listen to it now. Yeah. Uh, that's where the Blind Melon song came from. Three is a magic number. Uh, yep. which they like played on the radio and stuff. Yeah. Uh, Moby, yep. <laughs> Moby does an amazing version of, uh, verb. It's what's happening. And it's just like this driving beat. And my friend, <laughs> my friend, Michael and I were in college at the time it came out and he had one of those old style, like Columbo. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, red lights that the undercover detective would put on the on the roof of his car before driving after yeah, the yeah, perp, yeah. right? And he would put it on the shelf and he'd turn it on and it would sync up perfectly. Oh man, to yeah. Verb by Moby, nice. And it was like it was like Dark Side of the Moon and Wizard of Oz. It was amazing. Unpack your adjectives. Daniel Johnston did that. Buffalo yeah. Tom did Lolly Lolly Lolly. Get your adverbs on here. There. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Tale of Mister Mord totally- by Skilo. It the Lemonheads like did My Hero bin. Zero. Oh, man. Say that again, Tony. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was like a total MTV buzz bin band yeah. everywhere it, on it that kicks thing. kicks ass. Totally. Yeah, um, yeah it, was, it was great. Bismarcky is on there, I think? Yes, Bismarcky was yeah. on there. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's so good. Nobody beats the biz. We know uh, that. Ween. Wonderful. Man. Good call, Tony. I hadn't thought yeah. about Schoolhouse Rocks. Yeah. That's a good And I did no, love Schoolhouse, Schoolhouse Rocks. Rocks. And, and the best part was you never knew when it was going to come on. You never know which yeah. commercial break they was just like be. stuck it in between like shows or something. Yeah, because so it was short. To, mm-hmm. Yeah, so you had to sit through a horrible cartoon and then you'd see that and oh, it's great. Yeah, it's like you were that. watching Turbo Teen or the Punky Brewster animated series. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, uh, it was um, it was ABC was Schoolhouse Rock. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. ABC. Man, yeah, yeah, good yeah. memories. Yeah, I love that stuff. Good to hear from you, Tony. It's been a little while, buddy. Absolutely, we need hey, to catch up. Uh, yeah, no. Hey, also, somehow I got a letter from you guys, for you guys. It's from, uh, it's from, it says, my name is Frank, but everyone calls me hot dog. I'm nine years old and you are my favorite podcast. <laughs> I like you so much. I had a birthday about you. My cake was in the shape of Matt's beard. <laughs> How big is the ziggurat? It's huge, Frank. It's huge. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why people don't like you. You seem nice. Can we be friends? <laughs> If you see me, say hi. As long as you're not in a wheelchair, Frank, we can be buddies. You know, I just, I don't do wheelchair kids. Not my thing. I I, I don't know how it managed to make its way to my house, but I I thought I needed to call in and be sure to let you guys know about that. I appreciate that. Thank you very much, Tony. That's sweet of you. Always. And and, uh, be sure to tell your benefactors I say hi. I will do that. Absolutely. All right. <laughs> All right. Talk All right. to you later. See you, Tony. Be good, nerds. <laughs> you too. He was referencing the letter that some, f- well, it was totally fake. Some Dylan kid supposedly wrote to Trump 
And oh, it was like right. this really, oh, his name was Pickle, right? The kid's name was Pickle. Well, his name was Dylan, but people call him Pickle. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> it was like so obviously written by an adult. Like, it just give me a goddamn break. Uh, my cake was in the shape of mass <laughs> And that was like the same week that Trump was on stage and there was like a little kid in a wheelchair like reaching up to him and Trump just totally ignored him. <laughs> like, wouldn't even look at the kid. He's like, nope, not interested. Uh, Sorry, I don't want to catch your handicap. You know, it goes. <laughs> Man. That was a good call. Schoolhouse Rock. Schoolhouse Rock. Schoolhouse Rocks was great. Stop saying Schoolhouse Rocks. Rocks, Rocks, Rocks. It doesn't have an S on the end of it. Yeah, Rocks. Uh, I got to go. I got to dig out that CD. Now I'm dying to listen to yeah, it. Yeah, man. Oh, we got a call coming in. It's, the phone lines are open, it's Ryan. It's happening. It's happening. Here we go. Thank you for calling THN Cover to Cover. Caller, who this? Hey, this is Shonix. What Morning. up? Shonix. It's like three weeks in a row. I love it. Hey, what can I say? I did my. I had to do my homework. I had a homework assignment last week. Wait, oh, that's right. I had to read that that astonishing X Men. Yes. Right. So yes. where do you come down on this? But, what do you think? But I have to say, I I felt comfortable with it. I didn't feel out of place. Archangel's still doing that. I turn into Archangel, then I don't. Yeah. Whole kind of thing. Yeah, I hate that. Psylocke mentioned the whole. Hey, I kept Shadow King all at bay for a long time, and I was like, Hey, remember when you did that? And then you. Uh, yeah. yeah. So it was kind of neat seeing all the guys back together. The art was fantastic. But yes. I still want to know what's going on with Bishop cuz wasn't he like committing like genocide in the future? Right. That was like the uh, one the one thing To be fair, is he that- wanted to kill a kid, okay? <laughs> right. I know, to be fair, yes. Yes. You're absolutely right. You're like, absolutely yeah, right. He's a child murderer that happened into genocide. <laughs> but yeah, like yes. Bishop just showed up like it was nothing. Like it was nothing. Yeah, weren't no thing. Oh, uh, and not only not only did Bishop Run around committing atrocities in the name of saving the future. Wah, wah. Yeah. Uh, but he also shot Professor X in the face. Yes. And he was possessed by a demon bear for a while. Yeah. That's yeah. True. Right. The whole thing. Yeah. He's had a rough go. So, I mean, <laughs> it, that was that was the only part where I was like, "What? What's going on now?" Because because everybody's like, "What's up, Bishop?" And I'm like, "Hey, guys." Hey, he like tried, he was, hey, yeah. that he's is the moment where I like all of you several times <laughs> and succeeded a few of those times. You know, <laughs> yeah, right. I wanted like cable to pop in, like body slide in and be like, I don't <laughs> yeah, know about right. you, but this is crazy right here. And then pop out or, just, yeah, yeah. or just blow Bishop away. Yeah. Show yeah, up. Like, yeah. Take him oh, away. Right. Back of the head, you know, <laughs> like just murder <laughs> gangland style and be like, I don't know what's wrong with you idiots or why you're talking to this guy. (laughs) I also, I also, um, was kind of thrown off by the fact that Jimmy Chung did not get the memo that the beast does not look like a cat anymore. Yeah. Or he just just doesn't care. He's Jimmy Chung. Yeah. He do what he wants. I'm Jimmy fucking Chung. Watch this. You know, (laughs) that was, that was the, that's the thing though. Beast has been really inconsistent in a lot of books, like the secret empire books. Yeah. Sometimes he, True. he looks like they have him all like looking like some sort of ambassador, and and then other books he's just wearing his X Men garb or yeah. his face is all different. So it's like Beast. I'm done with him anyway. So whatever I he showed up, too. but I still I think that's mis- I think that's Mystique anyway. But oh. Um, <laughs> I will say they definitely muddied Hank way too much, and I don't even know who that character is anymore or what he's supposed right. to do. His secondary right, mutation really, was stupid, and then they sort of tried to yep. relax it a little bit, and it was still dumb. And now he pops up as Stars and Garters Beast from Old School Avengers every once in a while. Like, what's going on? 
They yeah, they they kind of the original five. They have just really they. It's like they don't know what to do, and I think they've la- that's why they latched on to the other ones. But then yeah. they still gave one cosmic wings. But I'm not even going to fucking talk about that. That's so I mean, stupid. No, no, so dumb. No, I don't want to talk about I hate it. it. Don't talk. No, <laughs> no. Um, they they did announce they did announce that in one of the Marvel Legacy books, and I can't remember which one, uh, but they are doing like a classic. Wonder Man Beast reuniting like I think they're gonna I think they're gonna try to recapture some of that stuff that good um, good Simon well, and Hank I love yeah, it you can see that they're really trying to recapture some stuff but I don't I just, yeah again <laughs> yeah. it's that, like have your cake and eat it too you know or like yep. yeah yep. you guys liked Bishop right he's back yeah. dot yeah. dot dot you know like, I didn't, <laughs> just don't I look didn't into where the- he that's all we ask. Yeah, you know? don't, don't look over there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was Bob Bishop. That was Bob Bishop. Right. It's yeah. very, you know, yeah, it's, was- it's very WWE where it's just like, okay, <laughs> this character has changed and everyone is dealing with it. You know, <laughs> like, I have right. no memory yeah. when we were friends. It's like I hate you for no reason at all. It's you know? like in a soap opera. <laughs> okay, it's like in a soap opera where one actor quits or gets replaced. Yeah. At the beginning of the show, the first appearance of the new actor in the, right. in the same role. Like when they switch dicks and bewitched. Yes, yeah. right. They, they just, they like very quietly say the part of, uh, the yeah. part of Lucas Bishop is now being played by this guy. Right. So, right. Uh, I'm, you know what? Secret Wars. Just say, hey, Marvel, just say Secret Wars. Yeah. Boom. Timelines. It's all different He's now. a scroll. Whatever. You know, like it was Mystique. That's, right. I'm still waiting for Reed and the kids to come back and be like, Okay, guys, we really screwed things up. Yeah. Um, Franklin's got a world brewing right now. We're going to call it the 616, and <laughs> boom. Yeah. There you go. Totally. <laughs> you get a re-driving Galactus, like he's in his head driving him like a tank, and he just eats the Marvel world as we know it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right, right. No, he's, so cool. he's, like, he's, piloting him, he's piloting him with the NES advantage like the Ghostbusters did, the Statue of Liberty, <laughs> yeah. and Ghostbusters too. Yeah. Or the Power Glove, right. the NES Power Glove. That'd be cool. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, he's got to have both. Yeah, and Amadeus know. Cho is like on the other side. He's got with the his advantage Game Boy, pad you know. down. Yeah. yeah, he's got the advantage <laughs> pad down with the glove. You know, because you know, Galactus is more powerful than the Statue of Liberty. Of so, course, of course. Right. Uh, you gotta have. Maybe if you hate liberty, uh, I think Trump has proved the <laughs> well, Statue of Liberty doesn't mean shit anymore. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. I have to agree with Matt. Damn it, I have to agree with you. Yep, him. sorry, brother. I'll get you. Even a stop know, clock, right? Well, <laughs> yep, yep. Sean, it's good to hear from you, buddy. Get, Yo, yes, get back to work, will you? Jesus, this is all in company time, right? No, 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 man. I'm on the nights now, so we're good. Oh, good for you. All right, brother. Yeah, now I just had to set an alarm. That's the hard part. Oh, jeez, <laughs> you poor thing. <laughs> Go back to bed, will you? <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. All right, See I'll you, Sean. Talk to you later. See ya. Yeah, I kind of felt the same way. Yeah, I know you got excited about that Astonishing X-Men. I read it, and I went... I see what you're doing. It's a good. It was a good comic. It wasn't bad, but there's still so much baggage that I just don't care at all about. You know what I mean? Too much baggage. All right, we got a call coming in. We'll get back to this. Thank you for calling THN Cover to Cover. Caller, who this? It's Hebrews. What Ryan up, Mount. Hebrews? Hey. Mr. Ryan Mount. How are we today? I am good. How are you guys? Uh, fair to middling, you know. 
We're doing fine. We're having a good time. We're all right. What do you want to rap about? Matt's wearing a gizmo t-shirt. He's being complimented on it on the, on the Facebook video. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about a Fantastic Four movie news and TV show. Oh, boy. Wait, what happened now about yeah, a TV show? Let's, well, there's rumors. I don't think there's... Is there hard news about this TV show shit? I think that Doom was definitely announced. Doom was announced. Be, we know that. Yeah, they're supposed to be spinning off a Franklin Richards series. <laughs> Good. Uh, God. Oh, no. Oh. But, so he, here's my thing. I think Franklin and Valeria actually saved the Fantastic Four movie franchise. I don't know if it works in TV, but they could save the movie franchise. How? Because what's, what's the one thing that we don't really see in the Marvel movies, and that's a real family superheroing together. Sure. So you want to do something different with them, you actually add the family element, which is what they're supposed to be in the first place. Yeah, totally so agree. I'm not against them showing up. Um, considering the best Fantastic Four movie of all time still is the Richard Corman movie. No, I, you know what? You're not wrong. <laughs> You're not wrong. It's a terrible film. They had no money. Like The effects were awful, but they got it right. The story was correct. This is a family one of their friends. But at what cost? <laughs> I agree. I totally agree. Uh, listen, you guys are both wrong. The best Fantastic Four movie ever made is The Incredibles. So. No, that's that's absolutely <laughs> correct. Yes. Okay. All right. Fair. I don't give uh, a shit about Franklin Richards' stories. I love. I'm fine with Franklin as a character. No, but I totally agree with 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 Ryan about having like. Give me a story, whether it's in a movie or uh, it'll never be. They'll never do it in a movie because they they can't resist the urge to do too much. Right. To pack too much in. Right. uh, And get in the way of their own story. But if they want to do a a TV show about a family of adventurers, I'm into that. Like, I want the FF family. And I'm I, I'm with Ryan on that. I wanted to. I will not be happy until it is back at Marvel because the Fantastic yeah, Four I mean, needs to be at Marvel. They are the Marvel's first family, and happen. I'm sorry, but I don't want it any other way. I don't want this stupid Doom movie. I don't want the Adventures of Franklin and Valeria. God, I don't want the Adventures of Franklin and Valeria. Like it hurts my head to think about it. Um, <laughs> Ugh. Actually, though, actually, if you remember Hickman's SF, which was Franklin and Valeria. That was a fantastic series. It was yes. wonderful. They did that as a show. It was wonderful. I'd be all about it. But it was still very much like in the Fantastic Four and the Marvel Universe and like training this next generation of super geniuses. And like, I love the Moloid kids. Oh my God, I love But the you could kids. have that. I love Dragon Man as their teacher and stuff. No, you can't because they're not going to have Ant-Man there. They're not going to have... Okay, so you don't have Ant-Man I mean, there, like, but you can have... You're going to have to replace all the characters. They're going to have to like make up You can new have Dragon Man. Crap. You can have Dragon Man they're there. They're not going to do you Dragon can have, Man. You can have two kids there that are like Artie and Leech. You can have... You I can have... Uh, that's what I'm saying. I don't want new ones. Just Moloids. do it. Get it back to Marvel and just do it. It's not going to happen. I know. I hate it. God, I hate it. <laughs> oh, Fox. Oh, stop it. <laughs> He's very upset. Also, it's, I think Fantastic Four would be the perfect way to introduce She-Hulk into the Marvel Universe. Absolutely. So give something, Absolutely. something extra to throw in there, and yes. then everyone will lose their mind. Well, there's so many wonderful things. Here's my question. Okay. Do you think that Marvel Studios has the rights to She-Hulk? I assume so. They've never shot her out anywhere else, well, right? Well, because 
Mark Ruffalo has done some interviews recently where he right. has said, like, don't hold your breath for a solo Hulk movie. Right. Featuring his version of the Hulk. Because the rights between Marvel and Universal for the Hulk franchise are still kind of complicated. Oh. It's not like it's not cut and dry like oh, Iron thought, like Iron Man and Cap. And, I know. I thought they got that all back. I didn't know that. He said that there's still some tangles. Um, and so my question is, She-Hulk as a derivative of the Hulk, right? Who uh, who controls that character? It's got to be Marvel. I don't think they've ever shopped her around. We've never seen. Yes, but right, like the Fantastic Four. Yep. We've, we've always said like Galactus is not going to show up in the Avengers movie. No, of course, because he comes as part of the Fantastic Four package. Right, but it's also there's like rules that say like every five years it gets reoptioned and shit. Like that's why that's the only reason Fox is doing this Doom thing is just so they can hold on to the rights of Fantastic Four. But they like, can exercise if, their right to do so. Yes, I understand, but if the rights are still kind of tangled up, maybe Marvel does not have control of She-Hulk. I don't know. I mean, we're speculating here. I don't know. I would be surprised. Uh, I, look, I'm all in for live action She-Hulk. I think the time Absolutely. is now. Yes, totally. Introduce her in this uh, new Captain Marvel movie. Let's see her there. I want a She-Hulk. I want a She-Hulk legal drama, Ali McBeal style. Absolutely. Boston legal style She-Hulk. <laughs> Do it on Netflix and make oh. her part of the Defenders. Give it to me. Oh, man, it would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, thank you for your call, brother. Hey, congratulations uh, on your big news. Thank you much. Oh, I you guys are having a baby, it. right? Another bruise. Baby bruise. Yes, bruise. Baby bruise. <laughs> it's going to be a wrestler just like dad. I love it. Absolutely. Well, like, hopefully for your wife's sake, he doesn't come out weighing 27 pounds like you did. You know? That was a- <laughs> <laughs> you should see the look on her face right now when you said that. <laughs> Kiss her and tell her I love her. <laughs> All right. All right, buddy. Take Later, it easy. Guys. Bye, Ryan. <laughs> that, of course, was our roving reporter, Ryan Mount, a.k.a. Hebrews. You can yeah. go to the website, twoeditnerd.com, and you will see front and center uh, a lot of great stuff that he's written for us, interviews with different people, um, Aubrey Citizen, uh, who is a, a comic writer and editor mm-hmm. who has the Big Time Wrestling Podcast. Uh, Great show, by the way. The guys from the Flop House, which is a phenomenally popular uh, podcast on the Maximum Fun Network, uh, and they made a comic, and Ryan got to interview them. It's great. Yeah. It's like one of our highest viewed articles. Yeah. Uh, second only to Kevin Coffey's article about X Men about Cyclops going slowly insane, which still to this day. Gets like five clicks a day. Yeah, he just needs to write a book about it. <laughs> I don't know what he did. Yeah, just like did let's it. just write a series of Cyclops blogs, and then we'll com- we'll just collect it in a book, and it'll be Kevin Coffee colon Cyclops. You know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to Jimmy Randall from Down Under. He sent us an MP3. G'day nerds, Jimmy Randall here, dropping in my answer to the uh, question of the week. Uh, favorite Saturday morning cartoons. Uh, All right, all together, you all know the words. Oh, we all tailspin. Oh, we <laughs> tailspin. All the trouble that we get in Bravo. with another tailspin. Uh, the Disney cartoons, you know, uh, 80s, 90s, they, they really don't get enough credit. They had a lot of heart to them, um, maybe because they weren't, as far as I know, they weren't sort of created with the intention of selling toys to the kids. So they were pretty damn good. Uh, tailspin 
absolutely one of my favourites. It's up there with DuckTales, Awuwu, you know, Darkwing Duck, Goof Troop. Uh, here in Oz there was a great show on Saturdays called Saturday Disney and they played all those cartoons. But Tailspin just, it sticks in my mind a lot. Like looking back on it, it was pretty mature from its age. It was, as far as I know, the only Elseworlds style Disney show that's ever been done. If you're not familiar with it, a quick concept is they've taken the characters from the Jungle Book and dropped them in this world that's kind of like Casablanca slash Indiana Jones. There's elements of Cheers in there. Baloo the Bear plays a, uh, he's a pilot, almost kind of like a smuggler style character that's contracted to work out of this really fortified harbour that's called Cape Suzette. Great pun there, yep. hey um, It was just, animation was smooth as, it was fucking cool battles, uh, sky pirates in airplanes, uh, biplanes. It just always felt fresh, pretty new. It wasn't that dark, but it was certainly, you know, areas of grey. Um, but, yeah, it's, like I say, it's the only Elseworld-style Disney anything I can think of. Can someone correct me if I'm wrong? So yeah, that's my answer. Tailspin, fucking cool. If you haven't checked it out, do it. It actually still holds up today. And that's my answer. Jimmy out. Wow, that was really loud in my headphones. Uh, it's it's right up there. It's right up there with the Grawlix blink sound. Yeah, I love it. Uh, Tailspin was totally awesome. I love Tailspin, but yeah. this is what I was talking about. Because for us, Tailspin was on no, after right. school. You're right. But yeah, I love that show. I loved it. To, I I was I made sure to get home. I had to walk home, but I lived like right down the hill from school. Yeah. So I made a point to get home in time for Tailspin every day. One of my favorites. I love that show. Man, and that, that, just like we were talking about, X-Men and Spider-Man were coming out at the same time with the shittiest animation you've ever seen. Yeah. While Tailspin, Chippendales Rescue Rangers, DuckTales, Darkwing Duck, they were slick, man. Well, I mean, they were Disney. They had big time Disney right, money. Right, right, right. They were totally slick. And this was pre-Marvel's acquisition. This was like... Yeah. This would have been Marvel recovering from bankruptcy time. Yeah. So Disney would have been like, you want us to buy that piece of shit? <laughs> yeah. What, are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. Good answer. I love Tailspin. As for other Elseworlds... Uh, I mean, they all kind of were. Chippendale's Rescue Rangers was... Chippendale was the number one thing I thought of. Yeah, because Darkwing Duck definitely The traditional was. Chippendale comics or cartoons were just like... They were just animals. Yeah. Hey, honey. It's me. It's been so long. Sorry I've been ghosting you these last couple of months. Just have real abandonment issues, and I'm, I was having a hard time getting over the long break. Uh, but... I'm getting over it, and uh, I just had some things to say that I thought you'd want to hear. First, uh, Sean William Scott, a.k.a. Stifler, his <laughs> best movie is called Goon. Yeah, the Goon was great. An enforcer for a Canadian right. hockey team. It's delightful. Uh, second, there wasn't a, a, a new question in, the, in your most recent podcast, uh, and I'm a, I'm a bit of a Luddite. So I don't check the forums. I'm sure there's it's actually one, calling from a payphone. Uh, <laughs> however, previous questions have made me think about some of my favorite stories, which typically are uh, future or alternate realities of some of my favorite heroes. Uh, one that I really enjoy that comes to mind quickly is the Cullen Bunn uh, four issue arc he did on Superman Batman, where uh, Batman and Superman were taken into this. Uh, futuristic yes. world that was full of magic. Uh, very cool recreations of uh, Aquaman. I don't remember this. In this 
like Jimmy and his monster. It was it was pretty awesome. I do remember this. So I'm not sure if you've talked about this in the past, but I was wondering if you guys had any favorite uh, future or alternate reality stories. Uh, I hope to hear from you soon, and uh, I love you. Talk to you later. Mystery husband, you can't treat us like this. You can't just come in and out of our life, okay? Who am I kidding? It's not how it works. Who are we kidding? I mean, we're going to take him back, sure, but that's not the point. It doesn't mean I'm not upset. My life has been All right. nothing without him. <laughs> Let's go across the pond to our buddy Ian Kelly. He says, damn, it is expensive to call you on a mobile, so please accept my MP3. That's fine. Absolutely. That's absolutely fine. Good morning, Joe and Matt. This is the home of heavy metal in Birmingham, England. I am Ian Kelly. How you doing, guys? Hope all is good and you are well. Um, it's a little bit warm here at the moment. Uh, I'm a little bit like a fat lass in a cake shop, so a <laughs> bit, bit of a sweat on there. Um, thought I'd call the colonies and see how you guys are doing. Um, question of the week. You know, just feel like shouting out my answers this Please week. Please take so, us uh, back. And I believe it was, was it a Saturday morning cartoons? Yeah, uh, favourite Saturday morning cartoons. If it wasn't, and I've read the wrong question, <laughs> fuck it, I'm going to answer this one anyway. <laughs> um, best ever cartoon of all time? Well, that's Danger Mouse. Everybody knows that. That's, oh, that's man, yeah. Negotiation. That's a foregone conclusion. But um, as for Saturday morning cartoons... Thundercats, man. It's got to be Thundercats. You know, why? Well, music, it went willy, 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 willy. Uh, the, the effects, boom. And it was bouncy, pouncy, sexual animal people. Um, yeah. You know, uh, sort of thing. <laughs> it ran from 85 to 89, I believe. And uh, the best thing about it was, in the UK, we got it as uh, uh, repeats. It was like, it must have been syndicated. And uh, it was replaced in 1992 on British television with Batman the Animated Series. So oh. it's sort of, you know, we went from one sort of fantastic show to a fucking even better show, actually. But uh, I'm going to go with Thundercats because, you know, it was amazing. And that end title music was just video game glory. It was superb. Um, I said on Twitter earlier in the week I was going to teach you some English words. Uh, I'm going to start with one this week that I'd like you to work into uh, one of your reviews. Okay. And that word is Codswallop. I'd like you to try to say it with me. Codswallop. Codswallop. Uh, codswallop basically means it's just bollocks, isn't it? It's just a lot of codswallop. It's a lot of rubbish, codswallop. You know. So there you go. Codswallop it is. Next week, bellend. And I'll get round to that when we get round to it. Um, quick question for you guys. And I think Matt, seeing as you're the sweary one, um, <laughs> although we are finding out that, Joe, you are considerably quite sweary oh, as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, what's you your favourite swear word in comics? I know you got like Battlestar Galactica and everything's like frack this and frack that and oh my god it's all funny and it's like you know sorry I did an American accent then didn't I? It's like, <laughs> it's did you though? Underneath his truck with his dark skater, <laughs> he's a good man, officer. Um, yeah. So, what's your favourite swear word in comics? That's a um, great question. Favorite like made up swear word? Yeah, yeah. I just like the ones that just say fuck all the time. Yeah, I mean, but that's yeah. me because I'm sweary. Um, guys, you're doing a great work. Uh, you're doing a great job. Doing great work. You're doing a great work. Um, <laughs> enjoy yourselves. Have a great show. See you later. Bye. Speak to you next week. Ian, love you, buddy. Thank you for calling. Awesome. Favorite fake uh, comic swear word. So yeah, uh, discounting like real swear words, which of course are always a delight. Right, right. My favorite fake swear word is "grife," and it comes from the future of the Legion of Superheroes. Yeah. And it's basically like it's like f the future version of "fuck." <laughs> Uh, it's like an exclamation that it, that you shout when things are not going your way. Like, ah, Christ! Right. Uh, what was the Lobo one that he always says? Screwing you over even now. I always liked him because I always liked it fragged. 
fragged, but yeah. that just that's not a curse word. That just means somebody got wrecked. No, but he would say frag all the time and fragged. It was oh, his F U C K. Right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and it always seemed like because a lot of those are just ridiculous. Like, oh, global sturble, you're not gonna speak to me like that. You know, like okay, uh, alien cuss word. I get it. In 2099, you would say fragged and fragging, and you know, yeah. In 2099, Marvel has replaced every curse word with the word shock. Like, yeah. What the shock? Stupid. It's not great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was really dumb. <laughs> Thank you to everybody that called in. That was that was a great cover to cover. We had a super fun time. We will be doing this again next Saturday from 11 to 1230. We went a little over today because we were having fun with it. Thanks to everybody that watched on Facebook. If you download our show, you'll get the full show, the news, all the other reviews and stuff we do. This is just for us to interact with you and for you to interact with us. And we have a good time doing it. And please come back next week. All yeah, right? We love you. Thanks, dudes. Especially you. Not you. You know who you are. Not you. Oh. And that is it for THN 453. If you dig comic podcasts that let you steer the ship directly into an iceberg that just broke off the northern continental ice shelf. That happened, by the way. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. No one drove a ship into it, but it did break off. Okay, it's bigger than Maryland. Thanks for... Wow, it's huge. That makes it seem very big, but Maryland is also very small. Relatively small. Yeah. But, you know, it's not like you can Still, throw a rock across look, Maryland. It, if you can say the words state-sized iceberg, yeah. it doesn't matter what state you're talking Bad about. Bad news. THN is a listener-supported podcast, and we want to send a convention hall size thank you to all of our supporters, either on PayPal or Patreon. We really appreciate it. Those of you that also... Use our Amazon link, which you can find in the show notes of every episode, to purchase things that you normally would on Amazon, including all of the comic books we talk about on the show. Yeah, gets us a little kickback. And it doesn't cost any extra. It's true. That's the important thing. It doesn't cost you any extra. Without you nerds, we would not be able to afford the Zambonis that we drove around and picked up all this crap with. Huh? You act like this has been a good vacation, but it has not been a good vacation. We missed the whole convention. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to HN Love Slave, Ryan Mount, a.k.a. Hebrews, and his lovely wife, Lisa, who just announced they're expecting a baby bruise early next year. Word to you, kids. And remember, if you're looking for names, if it's a boy, I've always liked Worf, Tiamat, or that old biblical classic, Lucifer. Joe, any suggestions if it's a girl? I've always really loved Polaris, Beautiful. Electra, oh, I love it. and the fabulous Moolah. Yeah, of course. I mean, like, you want her to feel special, right? Absolutely. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics. Your retailer might curse your next child to a future of collecting every Lady Death variant. This is the Two-Headed Nerd, signing off. Even, like, the leather one? Oh, yeah, especially the leather